Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. A lot of grass to Klubnik's left. Here he goes. Wide side. Klubnik trying to break away. He cannot. It's Corey Flag and Miami wins. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. It is good! The Utah Utes sink USC once more in another classic. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Houston. Smith from the shotgun. Has the snap. Rolls to the right. Looks. Throws on the run. It is incomplete. Broken up by Jade Barron. It was intended for Stephon Johnson, the hero of the Hail Mary. And Jade Barron comes up. Hero for Texas. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Spawn from the one, whose coverage has been strong so far tonight, but he breaks free. Do Spawn in a foot race. He'll never catch him. And the all special teams strike back quickly. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. May just barely got it away, and the ball is caught. Intercepted James Jackson for Virginia at the 42. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. It is almost impossible to try to wrap up every college football weekend, but we will try to do that at the Big 12 level and also including the top 25, which includes part of the Big 12 level. Good afternoon, and it's also a dramatic game seven tonight in baseball 
down in Houston, the Rangers and the Astros in the Battle of Texas in the American League. We will have a lot to get to. We will try to get to all of it if we possibly can. We also will hear from Baylor's Dave Aranda, Chuck Cooperstein, who's as good as it gets when it comes to being a sports broadcaster, Matt Brown, J.J. Joe, Phil Bennett, Paul's Top 5, and so much more. Garrett Ross runs the mothership, Jack McKenzie today, also right here in the studio. Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, let's go straight to the Big 12 standings. Here's where we are at the end of the weekend with Oklahoma on top. That sure wasn't easy at home against UCF. Texas right there in a tie with Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State. They've all kind of like where they are at 3-1. and one. That sure wasn't easy in Houston either. Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon, Kansas State, 400 yards rushing. Iowa State had the off week. And then, of course, the rest of the Big 12 Conference. And Oklahoma got the got a scare. Everybody at the top except for Michigan has had one, though. Um and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk at length about Michigan in a second uh, for other reasons. But uh, Oklahoma uh, fought through. But I think uh, if you really look at teams at the top, uh, and, and, and Texas uh, had their scare and fought through, so if they wind up being the Big 12 champion later on, you know they'll show they can do it. If you, Ohio State's had a couple of tight games. Uh, Florida State's had some tight games. The Washington had a tight game. Oregon's had tight games. Georgia's had tight games. So We're going to get to the top 25 the, in a but, moment, yes. But teams are winning tight games. Oklahoma showed that they can do that here, uh, not have their best game, and ward off somebody who was extremely motivated to do that. So, yep. yeah, I, I my opinion didn't change much about Oklahoma, although I am a little worried about their running game. Yeah, a lot of interesting uh, results this past weekend. I think the thing that jumps out to me talking about the Big 12 was just how close the new schools were to having a monumental weekend and knocking off the two Blue Bloods and ruining their national championship hopes in Texas's case um, and, you know, dinging Oklahoma's playoff hopes in their case. But instead, those two remain as is and, and pack on another win. But I just think a, a massive missed opportunity for UCF and Houston mm-hmm. and uh, one that's going to really linger with them. Not that they won't, you know, still turn around this week and play well and regroup and be fine. But I just think that that's one that you'll always look back on and be like, man, if we could have had that win, um, particularly Houston. I just think that that with the setting and, and everything that was going on there, uh, being a home game that they'll never probably have again of, of that type, uh, that was, man, so close. And, uh, man, what a what a win for, you know, Texas and Oklahoma to – you know, like Paul said, get those close games behind them, and I'm sure there will be more like that moving forward, although those number of games are dwindling down now at this point. I mean, we're nearly in the final month. We'll be in the final month after the end of this week. Absolutely. Um, which kind of sucks. I mean, that it's going by this fast, but, I mean, those, those weren't just the other two stories. I know throughout the week we'll get into more of these games individually because right. they're all different stories themselves, but Oklahoma State remains very impressive, and Ollie Gordon is just a, a, a fun – Player to watch, uh, running the football. Just a big dude, hard to bring down, lots of burst, and uh, just a, a tough guy to wrangle at the moment for Big 12 defenses. And, and he's got the Cowboys, you know, right there in that second tier uh, behind the Sooners and Longhorns as far as teams that could be competing to try and, you know, make a little noise and, and do something here down the stretch. Obviously, K-State with a massive statement. Um, what an awful loss for TCU. Um, that Sonny Dyke said, you know, he was completely blindsided by and wasn't expecting, but geez Louise, uh, they got torn to shreds uh, by the Wildcats who managed their two-quarterback system really well. Uh, West Virginia starting to flounder. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of interesting things going on. Absolutely. There is 343 yards rushing by Kansas State 
in their win against TCU. Gordon has now had over 500 in the last couple of weeks. BYU up at home in Provo, five turnovers for Texas Tech. They dropped the three and five. And just a couple of weeks ago after they won at Baylor, you thought maybe they had turned the corner. They haven't. Uh, and then Baylor passing the ball to set up the run game. Like, who would have ever thought that? And it wasn't easy for them either in the win against uh, Cincinnati on the road. But they had a great, great day when it comes to special teams. All right, this Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas, guess who will be there? Oklahoma and Kansas. It's also the Fox Big Noon Kickoff. How about that? In Lawrence, Kansas, Fox Big Noon Kickoff in a game that I think is going to be very high scoring uh, and maybe a 35-30 type of game before it's said and done. Yeah, um, Jalen Daniels going to play? No. Nope. Then, I mean, you know, it's just, God, it sucks that he's hurt. Because he is, in my opinion, the most fun quarterback to watch in the Big 12 uh, when he's healthy. But uh, he's not going to play. You know, Jason Beans filled in admirably. But that's good news for Oklahoma because they're already going into a place that um, all of a sudden is confident that they might be able to beat you. Whereas for years, if you had just told any of their fans, like, hey, you got a shot to beat Oklahoma, they'd be like, I I have a number of a guy you can call if you're having problems. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's always possible, I guess, that, you know, I mean, these injury reports don't really mean anything. There's, you know, they, it's not like you put them on there and they can't get off there. So these updates early in the week don't necessarily uh, mean that he won't make some surprise appearance because we've seen that before. But just based on today, uh, the word out there from Lance Leipold is that he's uh, optimistic, but that Jalen Daniels is doubtful to return. So, um, again, you could, you know, see the progress that's being made. He's doing more in practice, as that says there, but not likely he'll play. Again, there's always a surprise factor. Um, but, yeah, it overall it is certainly dampened the spirit of just the excitement level around Kansas football, I think, to uh, at least some extent because it's not quite what you know it could be with that difference maker at quarterback. All due respect to Jason Bean, he can win you games, but he's not Jalen Daniels uh, who helped you know bring the program back from the ashes and, and made them competitive and interesting uh, last year. So, yeah, that, that stinks, but a good opportunity for Lawrence, Kansas, to host an event like that, and you know maybe there's a little magic in the air. We'll see. All right, and then on top of a quarterback news, the news on Saturday that Quinn Ewers suffered a grade 2 AC joint in his right shoulder, expected to miss some time. Malik Murphy came in, and they also used red a lot in the Wildcat to pick up the big third or fourth down in short-type runs as well. Not season-ending, but this is also Quinn Ewers, who remember last year early when he was knocked out in the game against Alabama. So at least that puts a little bit of a quirk, although Malik Murphy, incredibly talented, not the accurate thrower that Ewers is. And yet he now is under the fire of being the starting quarterback in Austin. He's also never played, really. That's true. So, like, that's, like, to me, you know, the Malik Murphy is a superb athlete. Like, he wasn't, you know, the number two or three quarterback recruit in the country or whatever he was, uh, you know, because he won a spelling bee. I mean, he's really good, uh, talented athletically, but... He has not played. He spent most of the year last year injured. Through the spring, really, was was injured as well. So you haven't really seen that much of, of Malik Murphy at all. And so my question for Texas would be, you know, say Quinn Ewers is out next week against Kansas State, which most of the time with shoulders and AC joints is at least two or three weeks. So they've got BYU this week, a team that's going to play really tough, um, you know, you know, kind of violent attitude that they have. And then they've got Kansas State, who's a, who's a good team, a, a pretty darn good team that is going to play physical and come after you. 
and I would say take some chances on a young quarterback, how mature can Malik Murphy get to play within himself right now? Uh, because they're going to lose some things that they do with Quinn Ewers that he's not going to do because he's not ready to do that. So I think he'll, they'll probably be fine because of what they have around him. But in those close games, does he have the, the moxie yet to, to quiet the noise and do, do what's got to be done? Yeah, Quinn Ewers is a really good player, so that's a tough loss. I mean, that's your guy. That was your your guy. Um, and he's now out for, like you said, the the unknown amount of time moving forward. But it sounds like it'll be at least a game, if not a couple of games. And, yeah, that puts them in quite the pickle. I don't put them necessarily right on upset watch at home against BYU this week, but I think you have to put it the meter up a little bit. You know, I wouldn't put it off in the red necessarily like I might against Kansas State, depending on what we see this weekend. But, I mean, you got to be – aware that it's certainly a possibility you know I don't know if BYU can ultimately like score enough and do things like that in the end but they can if they pick off Malik Murphy a couple times you know they can if they get some turnovers and so yeah it's going to boil down to how well he plays and what a great opportunity for a guy who's been waiting his turn and uh, now we'll have his turn and again you know uh, haven't seen a lot but this is the moment you've been waiting for so go out there and show it and we might be walking away you know come this time next week going dang Malik Murphy needs to play yep. you know I mean yep. for all we know he could be the second coming uh we just haven't seen enough yet but to see him actually go out there and have to like engineer drives and start a game off and do all the little things that aren't just you know backup time here and there uh will be you know really enlightening and of course there's the underlying storyline of arch manning as well and the fact that he'll now be qb2 right. uh, while quinn ewers is hurt so he's right there in uh, the thick of things to potentially play and make his college debut. So that'll be a very interesting situation to watch. And, you know, this is a situation now, too, where Texas, um, you know, can't afford a second loss. I mean, they can in terms of the Big 12 for the moment. But as far as playoff hopes go, uh, that is a major part of this Ewers injury. Is like, okay, can they, you know, get the uh, – get the job done while he's out and, you know, keep them above water. So if he does return there at the end of the year, they're still in the same position as when he left. All right. So, yeah, Malik Murphy's thrown eight passes. Ewers throws 213-plus, played most of last year, too. But an incredibly gifted young man. We'll see what happens. Also, one note I mentioned this on the Baylor passing to set up the run as they escaped in Cincinnati. Uh, a couple of little nuggets that I had is that, you know, they, they put Colton, uh, what, Price at center and move Barrington to right guard, where he was an All-American at BYU. And Dave Aranda discussed that today during his media session. Also, I asked him about it. But brought what maybe we had not seen, which is an edge and anger and kind of playing pissed off. Now, is it contagious enough to win this week? I don't know. But at least that is something that they did make that move during the off week last week. Well, um, I... The offensive line moves work. I mean, Blake Shapin, if I'm not wrong, didn't get sacked. Did one, he? Sack. one sack. One sack in the fourth so, quarter. Yeah, so he didn't get sacked. For, and I think that was as much on him for, as anything. For the majority of the game. Uh, and so, I mean, they were trying to get the ball out quicker. But I did think from the very beginning of the year that they had a lot of guys playing in the wrong spots. Like from the Texas State game on, I was like, well, you know, Gavin Byers was, was a tackle last year. Now he's the left guard. Um, both the Barrington – Brothers were guards. One of them's playing tackle. One of them's playing center. Like, I don't know if you even needed to, you know, reshuffle the entire deck, um, you know, and bring in five new starters or just play guys where they're most comfortable. And I think maybe they're a little bit guilty along the offensive line of, of overthinking that. At least for one week, it looks like it's worked out pretty well. 
Yeah, well, there's two Barrington brothers, so Clark is who you're talking about that yeah. moved from center. Um, yeah. And, you know, they needed to do something to shuffle things up because what they were doing wasn't working very clearly. Now, it looked better. Um, they kept shaping cleaner, and that was impressive given the opponent. Cincinnati is, you know, very good up front, but still couldn't run the ball worth a dang until later on in the game. Now, a lot of that wasn't even attempting to run. They were just exactly. throwing and throwing and throwing. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, it worked for one week, and um, now that you kind of have a little bit of a sample size, is that something that carries over and you're able to do more off that um, potentially? And so, yeah, I mean, take the positives where you can get them, and that was a positive, but, you know, you still rush for 80 yards total in that game, and you got to win, granted, but um, that's an area where you still just have to be so much better, and, um, you know, they were able to get away with that this past weekend by focusing on the pass. All right, Big 12 Players of the Week, and then we're going to get to the national picture. Ollie Gordon, we mentioned him. Ollie Gordon, the second. Back-to-back now, he was the uh, uh, Offensive Player of the Week. BYU's Eddie Heckard, Defensive Player of the Week in that five-turnover game against Tech. Nick Anderson of Oklahoma, the Newcomer of the Week. And Isaiah Hankins, who kicked four field goals. The shortest, I think, was 43 yards and hit a 54-yarder. Won the Big 12 Special Teams Player of the week. Now, here's the top 25. Not a lot move, not a lot of movement. Ohio State is 3. There's Florida State, Ohio State with the big win. We'll get to there's Texas and Oklahoma right there next to each other. Alabama sneaks into the top 10. Penn State falls a little bit. Nobody f- uh, fell more than North Carolina after Virginia's first top 10 road win in football program history. Uh, this past weekend, and then you see Air Force is kind of cute right there. I love it in the top 20 because I love the way they play football, old school, that wishbone offense. Yeah, and uh, Virginia is not a new football program either. Like, that shows you how long, like, they've been around uh, a while. So that's a huge, huge one. And, you know, North Carolina not only took themselves, I mean, put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit in the ACC race, I mean, I think – even if they went out, they're out of the CFP because you're just looking for excuses of the committee to keep somebody out of the top four, right? When you say, like, okay, who's your loss to? Oh, a team that won one other game. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's a bad loss. Uh, yeah. a great great job by Virginia in winning their first road game against a top ten opponent in history, in yeah. the football history. I don't know how much stock I was buying in North Carolina playoff hopes, but, uh, yeah, I mean, those are dash now. I mean, they'd have to have a lot of carnage happen around them to get over the loss to Virginia. Um, so, yeah, that's that was a major victory for the Cavs. Uh, good for them. I know it's been rough going the last couple of years, and um, they haven't had a lot of bright spots to grab onto. So uh, this was certainly one of those. And I'm sure there was a big time celebration, um, you know, on the way back home uh, from Chapel Hill. So good on them. And, uh, you know, it does make the ACC interesting uh, or the ACC race uh, a a bit more interesting. Uh, I will say, though, on the Air Force thing, this is not a knock on you, but the way that you said that, like, oh, look how cute they are. That's kind of a knock right on the the non the blue blood teams of like, oh, look, they're in the top 25. That's not That's, what I no, meant, I, but I, I understand know. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. it's like, no, I mean, they're they're real deal Air Force, and uh, yeah, they're they're not some cute little toy that if you, you know, try to pet them, they're going to bite you now. Um, so good for them to take care of their business as well. And um, yeah, that was a, a, st- a stunning win for Virginia over uh, North Carolina. All right, go ahead. What I would say about Air Force, when people go like, oh, yeah, it's Air Force, like, okay. Go play them. Do, do you want to play them? Like, yeah. your team would probably, like, if you're in the top 10, you'll probably beat Air Force. Probably. But do you want to play them? No, I don't. I don't want to play Air Force. It's no different than when Navy was really, really yeah. good 
And yeah. no different than Army and what they took Oklahoma, remember, to the brink, just what, two, three, four, maybe it was longer than that ago, although LSU just crushed them uh, in Baton Rouge over the weekend. I want to get to a couple of things. Go back to the poll, if you wouldn't mind, Garrett. This is from Ralph uh, Russo, who, uh, Ralph Russo, who obviously puts up the poll on the A-Works for the AP. There has not been a team other than Georgia and Alabama ranked number one since the middle of the COVID year. There has not been a team outside of the deep south ranked number one since Ohio State. What year do you think it was? Uh, ranked number one. 2014, where they won it? Greg? Oh, 2015. That's the last time somebody out of the deep south was ranked number one in the AP Top 25 poll. That's hard to imagine. Alabama ran it. LSU had their run in 19. Georgia's had theirs now for the last, what I think are 20-plus weeks as far as the poll. That, to me, is hard to imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is and then it isn't when you think about just how, you know, the national championships have gone the last few years and you think about Bama's run of dominance and then Bama's run of dominance turns into Georgia's run of dominance. So there hasn't been a whole lot of opportunities to knock those teams from their perches and and take over that number one spot. And the national championship games reflect that. Um, And I guess Clemson, is that that South Carolina deep south? I guess, yeah, it is considered that. Yeah. but I, I don't know. That's that's an interesting note. But I, I look at the end of that poll and I see James Madison on there, uh, which is very very interesting uh, to see uh, JMU there. Given that they're not going to probably be able to play in a poll game uh, here at the end of the year, unless there's some exception because there's not enough teams or whatever. But good on them, um, and that should bolster their case for the transition that they've made. That's incredible to uh, for that school to find themselves in the top twenty-five. You know, Tulane, Duke, Air Force, JMU. Um, not a lot of parity there at the top, uh, but certainly at the bottom, a lot of interesting schools uh, that we don't see all that often, especially combined like that. So uh, pretty cool to see that. All right, here's another note in the top 25. Georgia, if they remain ranked number one in the next three weeks, they will have a tied what is Miami's streak from 2001 to 2002. That would be 21 consecutive weeks. Southern Cal, USC has the record 33 consecutive weeks at number one. 03, 05, until they ran into a guy in a team from Texas and Vince Young. All right, now, bangers. Top 25. There's only two games this week in the top 25 where both teams are ranked. Now, there's some really interesting games, but these are the two. Both at 2.30 this Saturday. Oregon and Utah. My goodness, what a collision course this one is. Utah with a great win against USC, and we'll get into that. And then Duke 20 to Florida State pretty deep. Louisville at 18, that game is on ESPN. Two top 25, two teams, both ranked in the top 25 this week. Yeah, I think it's kind of unfortunate for Duke because I, I don't think Riley Leonard will play in this game um, unless he, you know, he, he, he played pretty solid for three quarters, but once he took that, that gigantic hit and got mauled, then he was, he was out of the game. And I remember thinking at the beginning of the week, like why Florida State was getting 14 and a half points over a really good Duke team. Well, Vegas thought that Riley Leonard wasn't going to play. And when Riley Leonard was in the game, it certainly wasn't a 14 and a half point spread. And the minute he went out, it definitely was because Florida State won by 18. So he's that much of a difference maker for Duke. And I came away like I am a Riley Leonard stand now. That dude is tough as nails. He was trying to get Mike Elko to put him back in the game after, you know, he was clearly in a lot of pain. Mike Elko did the smart 
smart thing and said, look, we've got to think about the rest of the season because this is just one conference loss if they if it did wind up that way, which it did. But I'm a huge Riley Leonard fan now, and I hope he gets to play down the stretch. But it, I would not think he would play this week after that. Yeah, I have no idea what his injury status is or what the updates are. Haven't uh, looked since Saturday night, but uh, he played his tail off. That was a valiant effort from Duke. I know they don't want a, a ribbon for participation or anything like that, but um, you know they deserve more than a pat on the back because they did give the Knowles a, a stressful night and um, you know had some moments there where you, you wondered if they weren't going to be able to pull off the upset, which would have been... Uh, just incredible to be talking about today, but you know FSU got the job done. Uh, it's unfortunate that Leonard's banged up, but man, he showed the the heart of a champion, if you will. Uh, as cliche as that can kind of be, sometimes he he definitely showed that on Saturday night. So uh, yeah, not the the sexiest lineup of games uh, as far as rankings go, with just the two that you showed there. Uh, but both of those ought to be you know very interesting and obviously have some some implications. Uh, for their for their leagues and their own teams so that that'll be fun to see those two and as we know the last time there was a weekend that wasn't really chock full of a lot of ranked games it turned out to be one of the the wildest weekends ever so um we experienced that earlier this year and, and maybe that's what we're in store for this weekend i hope so all right now paul i know we have dave Aranda is going to join us about three forty or so today and then chuck cooperstein we need a break here yes yeah, break come and back talk and about michigan break before we'll come back and talk about michigan the uh the staffer who's been under all of this uh, investigation about what he's been doing at opposing stadiums and some of that information coming out. And we need to discuss, is USC now a house of cards? Who are they moving forward? And the media in L.A., which happens to be the second largest media market in the country, they're not real thrilled about what happened after the loss to Utah. We'll get to that and more. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Home for a butcher shop that's full service and a bakery that's full service. A bakery that can do all the what you need from kolaches and fresh baked bread. If you want cakes or cookie cakes, they do that too. And then the butcher shop. Beef, pork, poultry, and seafood. Seafood that includes lobster tails. Seafood that includes Atlantic Ocean salmon. Mahi Mahi. You want it, they have it. Uh, fresh catfish fillets, there's uh, uh, what you want. And they, they also have them breaded if that's what you want too. Then on top of that, you have the pork and poultry, the chicken, and if you want sausage galore, whatever type of flavors you like. And the beef fill in the back of the butcher shop with hamburger meat to steaks. They even have the uh, tomahawk ribeyes, the big bone that looked like they used back in the days when the Vikings fought each other. Waco Custom Marketplace, your hometown grocery store, your tailgate location too, charcoal, pellet fuel, cold beer and wine, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Day, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. All right, so there's still more to get to, and we appreciate your time. We'll try to summarize it a little bit later on. A little note from Dabo Sweeney on Cape Klubnik, the quarterback who ran Apparently, his own instinct took off on a zone read that he thought he might be able to score, and Dabble talks about that. So did Klubnik. But uh, this is from, there's two or three different accounts, Garrett, on USC and the media availability from Shotgun Spratly. For, for the first time in the 14 years I've been covering USC, the school did not make any players available to speak with the media. Inside Troy, that's our good friend Ryan Abraham. We'll have somebody from that site on tomorrow said it's the first time in his 20-plus years that no players were made available to speak. They had a heartbreaking loss to Utah. Um, Williams scored late in the game to give him the lead. Then Utah drives down the field. Bryson Barnes with a huge run that gets him in field position to kick the field goal. They do it. 
Now, is this Lincoln Riley protecting his players, or is this his players did not want to talk to the media? And what kind of look is this? It's a bad look. Look, you you can't, you know, trot them out there after a win and not have them go out there after a tough loss. I mean, it, it it's also a life lesson. Like sometimes you have to go out and, and face it when you you've had a tough one. And Lincoln Riley should know this. And you know the way he's trying to guard, you know. USC, like they're a, a corporate company covering up a friggin' oil spill, is ridiculous. Like I, I don't, I don't understand what you gain by this. It's only going to make it worse. And you know, the three of us have had to sit in locker rooms many times or in post game and talk to players after they lose games. They have to do that. Look, with your team full of NFL players. They all have to do that when they get there in a very short amount of time. Caleb Williams next year is going to have to do that. Every when, night. Every, every, every time. And if he walks away, he's going to get fined. So the lesson you're teaching them is it's fine to, to, to run away sometimes. You and I, Smokey, sat in a, in a locker room in Oklahoma City waiting for Brittany Griner to come out and talk after they lost uh, in, in the postseason. And, yeah, I know it's tough. It sucks. Nobody likes to lose. We don't. Like, even if you're a completely impartial journalist, it's really one of the harder parts of your job to go in and talk to somebody when they're upset about a big loss. So, yeah, it sucks for everyone, but we all have to get through it. Well, and Brittany eventually did come out, and mm-hmm. she did interview, uh, get get interview with the media. Craig, Caleb Williams, obviously, defending Heisman Trophy. Isn't there also a role that he plays of representing that trophy this doesn't mean it was Caleb Williams saying, hey, I don't want to talk. Maybe it was. He was emotional. I don't know. Your thoughts about USC. And we've seen now Riley uh, dismiss, at least for a week, a member of the media. Uh, and, and in this case now, not allowing players to be available. Well, I mean, my first thought is I understand why we're talking about this. Um, and I do have thoughts on it. But I think the big story out of that game was Utah winning. Mm-hmm. We were going to get yeah. to that. And, we will get to that. I want to make sure that that's the, we will the, get the to big that. point made is that uh, what an incredible job by Kyle Whittingham and Bryson Barnes, who we saw not be very good and, and ended up being very good in that game. Um, but Lincoln Riley's soft. Uh, Lincoln Riley teams are soft. I think it's evident watching Oklahoma this year. And, yeah, it wasn't great last year as they made that transition. But, I mean, what a night and day version of the Sooners you see compared to his teams. And his teams had lots of success. But I think if they were anything in the long run that prevented them from being more of, of what they could have been, it was that they were a bit soft in, in comparison to those they eventually ran up against. I think uh, Lincoln Riley is a great football mind. Uh, I – you know, think he's a, a good head coach. Uh, I do think he's out, though, a little bit over his skis. I don't know what's happened the last few years with him, but just his personality's kind of rubbed people the wrong way, and just some of his actions are very questionable and just not quite the the guy in some ways that I, I remember stir, first really liking when he was, uh, you know, crowned Oklahoma's new head coach. And uh, I think it's a soft look. I think it's kind of become commonplace with that program now. Uh, I think it's, you know, a matter of losing, bringing out the true colors in, in people. And I don't know who made the decision, if it was Caleb Williams or Lincoln Riley or whoever on, you know, who would go out there or they didn't have to go out there. Um, you know, again, that like y'all said, that's something that the NFL will force Caleb Williams to have to do. But, again, was it? I'm not going to really try to put a target on him or put any blame on him because – 
in that moment, if the coach came in and said, like, hey, you guys don't have to speak to the media or you don't speak to the media, then they're just following orders. But I just think overall it's a soft look by USC. I think that they'd be more than happy to go out there had they won that game. And the fact that they lost and all of a sudden Absolutely. they want to pout is uh, is indicative of, of just sort of where they are. Um, and, yeah, that was a tough loss. But you know what? They're lucky they had a chance at the end of the game mm-hmm. to even make that interesting because the way they played, they really didn't deserve a chance at the end of that game so much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a bad look, and I'm sure it'll you know be brushed off on, on his end, and it's the media's fault or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that that was, import, that was a poor choice in the, in the heat of a, you know, a tough loss. All right, so here's Kyle Whittingham, Josh Furlong on the tweet. Kyle Whittingham with an all-time quote in the postgame. They've got a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, so they're going to make some things. And that's just the way it is. But we've got ourselves a pig farmer at quarterback, so we're proud of that guy too. What a great quote, and what a run by Barnes, who also threw the pick six that kind of put USC back in a mode to be able to win or at least have a chance to win that game. I'm I'm very impressed with Bryson Barnes, considering that um, just over a month and a half ago, uh, I was sitting next to Craig uh, at the Baylor Utah game, and I turned to Craig and goes, "This guy sucks." That's what I said. Quote like, "I'm not going to back off of what I said." Uh, he was playing awful against Baylor, and Utah didn't uh, really even make me think they were going to win that game until they put Johnson in. The or other until quarterback. Baylor never separated. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, I just never thought like I was like, "Man, Utah, this guy's playing himself right out of the the mm-hmm. lineup here," and you know, they're sitting there, you know trying to pray to the football guys to heal Cam Rising right now to get him in shoulder pads and get him in this game because yeah, that was bad offensively. But, man, he's come a long way in, in a few weeks. But USC's it also speaks to USC's defense that they there is not a single lead they have that is safe. Not one. Uh, and especially if it's against a Utah team that has your number anyway late in the game. Like I, I knew when Utah got the ball back, I was like, well, Utah's going to at least get in field goal range, and then USC's best hope is that he misses the kick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was an incredible score, you know, as quick as it happened by Caleb Williams. It just happened way too fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, for them to answer, and, you know, and, um, and and make it that, you know, interesting there at the end and, and, uh, and take the lead was uh, pretty, you know, exciting stuff. But you look at the clock and you're like, oh, dang, there's like a whole minute and tons of change left in this game and it just yeah you didn't have faith in that defense because again they're soft and and that defense is soft and defenses under Lincoln Riley have remained soft and uh, I'm not trying to like you know pick on him but um, I just think that was a bad look and that was a tough loss so I get that emotions were heated but you know Caleb Williams still was able to make a little bit of magic but yeah I think when you watch that defense or you watch when when things are going sideways um, you know, they're not the most formidable team or scariest team in the world. Uh, they have some obvious flaws, and Utah was able to, um, you know, focus in on those and expose those and also just, you know, grind it out. And that was Jaquindon Jackson having 100 rush yards. The guy never gets really much any attention outside of probably Salt Lake City because he doesn't have a bunch of touchdowns, but, you know, he's a consistent for them on the ground. Bryson Barnes coming from where he was when we saw him, as Paul pointed out, in Waco a few weeks back, uh, he's made obvious strides with having more snaps under center. Um, I mean, my gosh, uh, Sione Vaki, I mean, the, the two-way star who deserves all of the 
praise for his performance. Um, that's just, you know, Utah football's a, a tough brand, man, and they're not one you want to take into a showdown if you don't have your, your guns ready and, and your, your muscles going and, and you're ready for a fight. And I don't know how much of a fight USC was ready for, but they still got the talent and explosiveness to make things interesting. And, uh, you know, in the end, though, Utah was just a tougher, better team, better coach team, and they're going to be a great addition to the Big 12 come next season. I, I love the way they play the ball. And it's not because they're old school, because they can be new school, too, or the new age. Kyle Whittingham also saying that Rising, who has not played, is shut down. He is not. So no more week to week is he going to play or not. We have about a minute here before we take a break. Well, and so is Brent Keithy. So their two best players, uh, arguably, heading into this season, uh, certainly on offense, are both not even playing a single down this year. And uh, that's that's unfortunate, but you look at where they are despite that, and that just even more so screams of how excellent of a program and – and well-coached team they are under Kyle Whittingham. So, yeah, that's a blow, and yet here they are, still very much in the mix and beating USC regardless. Um, but that sucks, and, and at the same time, I'm glad to know that so we can all just move on and yep. they can focus, and it's Barnes and Johnson if need be, and and no more of the speculation week to week. But good luck to Cam Rising and getting healthy, especially with pro aspirations, I'd imagine. All right, we're going to have a little bit later on uh, a comment from Emmanuel Acho on Caleb Williams that we will discuss a note about Alabama's defense in the second half of the last several games. Arkansas has a new offensive coordinator, and also Dabo Sweeney appears to throw his quarterback under the bus. All of that and more. Baylor head coach Dave Aranda is next. Chuck Cooperstein, Matt Brown from Extra Points, and more. And this is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI. Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace off I-35 in Waco can help you with a couple of things that you need. If you're hurting, if your muscle or a ligament or something, a part of your body is shutting you down and, and, it's, and it just hurts and you've had x-rays or you've been to the doctor and your orthopedic surgeon or doctor, family doctor, they may not know exactly what it is and perhaps they've diagnosed it and it's still not working. Ideal MRI will find out what the evidence is of what is a muscle or a ligament or something is where it's not supposed to be or something's fine. Maybe even the MRI confirms everything's good, so then it's something else that your doctor and you have to deal with. So you'll get that. Ideal MRI, state-of-the-art technology MRI machine. And then, of course, here's a banger too. $497 or less every single time the average for an MRI is $1,100. Dr. Rob Maxey and staff have a great business in Waco off I-35 in the Central Texas Marketplace, IdealMRI.com. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. MRI. 
Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone-and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Three sixty-five Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda with me, David Smoke on Three Sixty-five Sports. Uh, what is? just the feeling of getting a win coming off a of bye week and and just kind of resetting whoever you might be appreciate that yeah i think i, I think of our 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 players first of all you know cuz it's coming off of losses there's it's so down and you bring them everyone involved try so hard to bring them back up and back to life and there's a there's a hope and a vigor and everything kind of going into it and you want them to have success and so when you have success in that it just adds to the trust and belief and then you know i think it gives them uh, some you know some of the buy you know guys are going back home and they're with their families and and uh, i think for a lot of them they want to just relax hang out and then the questions are always about the team about football you can't so you can't there is no getting away and so I think this adds some um, this can kind of help with that and um, so I think of that I think of our coaches and their families and um, I think of just the the, all the work that the guys are going through and you know for the last maybe month everyone in this place was sick and you know was getting their family sick and and just being sick and losing and it's just it was kind of um, it was all a thing and so to to get to the other side of that and then we're really trying to have a run with this is um 
is exciting. And so I think of those things. And then I think of like, you know, that we got to make a run with this. And so we've got to be able to get, Hey, this, this is the process. This is the mindset. This is the expectation and kind of get all of that. And just the visualization of what this can be, of what this can be. Like we can end the season with a bunch of wins. We can end the season being so much more improved. We can be the team that we thought that we were from the very beginning. And, and so I think, you know, um, there's guys just within losing that lose the side of that. And so, so much is bringing that back into focus. You've met with players before, but during the broadcast, there was the notion, uh, or at least the thought, you had had a conversation with several players. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, the thought was is they don't want you to like the rah-rah stuff, which, mm-hmm. of course, fans want to see more mm-hmm. intensity. They wanted more what? This is what we're supposed to do, X's and O's, play football? Yeah, appreciate that. I think there's there there are um, some young players that when the rah rah stuff would go, I think would just kind of add to maybe an anxiety or just an uncertainty and or just a probably not a, a full confidence in their abilities. It would it would add to that. And um, I could see that, you know, I was giving one of those talks prior to the tech game and uh, we have freshman O-lineman and it's in the locker room and I'm I'm saying these things and I'm trying to get it kind of, um, you know, up and um, I'm looking over him and his face was just not it. it. (laughs) I think I scared him. So I don't know. I, I, I probably shouldn't say that, but I just... That's just that. That's just not where our team is at at this moment. And so to talk more about, hey, this is what the, um, this is what we're asking you to do. Here's all the examples of you doing it. Right? Here's going against the best that we have on this field, practice field, and here's you winning it. Right? Here's everyone. Look, stand up. Look behind you. Here's everyone in this room has got your back. The coaches have got your back. And just it's more of that. And it's like let's take this to that stadium let's take this to this game time and um i think you know when it's that way i think there's much more of a freedom uh for guys to go out and kind of um you know get out of their own way and so i think that's been the that's been the path because of who you are when you put together a staff do you purposely add people to the mix that are probably a little bit more temperamental or more outwardly personable as far as the not raw raw but just maybe a little bit more energetic yeah i think you have to i appreciate that question you have to have a mix i think it can't be i think the levels of degree are important though like if i'm i imagine there'll be some people on a scale of one to ten i'm a one or a two and so if that's the case it's probably i can't have like a nine or a ten but so if it was a six or a seven or maybe even a five or a six or a seven then i think that'd be that'd be good and i think i've found that out since being here but that balance i think is important um and because what you're aiming for is balance i think if you have a one and you have a nine i think i don't know if that is balance but if you can you can even even it out a little bit more than that it's helpful i asked you this a couple of weeks ago when things weren't good but as far as the staff and them looking in the mirror themselves and i asked you as a coach Mm -hmm. what you do how have they handled the criticism or looking at the true serum because mm-hmm. it is not an easy job but again they're paid well so mm-hmm. how have they handled that appreciate that yeah i mean we've talked a lot about that i think that um 
they're all way professional and so they you know their their heads are down and everything i think they they enjoy being here in this building um because i think um we're all kind of going through the same thing and there's not the questions and the you know the the in- interrogations on the outside of it and so there's more of hey I can I'm here I got people that that believe in me and got my back and I can just go to work and so I think there's there is um there's that and so when you do have when if that's the setting of it and then you need to push your people to get better and you need to be able to push them to to um uh to not be comfortable and to not, mm-hmm. to, you know, that's the trick. And I think so much of that is seeing things. I think that, um, you know, I think we all have blind spots and I think we're all, you know, I was talking to my son Ronan about some of his favorite movies and he just, there's a bunch of villains that he likes and he's, he's naming all the movies and they're all just based upon just like the bad, the bad guys and stuff. And so it's like, but from his view, and, and I think he's right, is that the bad guys don't think they're bad. You know, the, the, the villains, they all have a way belief in what they're doing and when they're convicted, what they're doing is right. And so I just think, you know, there's, there's blind spots. And so if you can help them, you know, we're going back to our staff now if you can help them with their seeing and that um you know the widen the perspective and zoom out and see you know hey i know we want to be able to get this accomplished but right now we're really not good at it can we move the spotlight somewhere else and still work on this but in critical moments do something else or hey i know we really want to be able to help you know this player uh develop let's help him develop but can we take the load off of him and put it on you know because i think when you aren't seeing things right you can get caught up in identifying with the thing that's not right and your self-worth's involved in it and so then you dig in and you fight to the end and um, it's not good for you it's not good for the team it's not good for that and so I think the detachment helps with that and so I try to be able to do that you know uh, Colton Price starts at center it, it I get the impression it was time for him emotionally mm-hmm. he was ready to play just based on the feedback back I get mm-hmm. and it put Barrington back to where he was an All-American mm-hmm. that was done during the off week was that ever thought about doing b- prior to that yes it was and um, I think you know it's one of those things to where I think it ties in with what we just talked about mm-hmm. I think it's it's hard I think it's just to to see things clear and, and when things are not going well you know it's what to hold on to and save what things to let go of. And, um, you know, it can be, all of that can be kind of a scary thing. But I think that's where kind of, um, you know, I think genius lies in that, though, man. I think that's where creativity is. I think that's where innovation is. I think that's where, that space right there. And so, um, you know, we talked about it about two weeks prior to this. And so looking back i wish we would have done it you know but i'm glad that we did it now and um you know colton's got a bunch of nasty in him and it's just a physical tough he didn't back down one bit i mean we had to pull him back some can that be contagious yes yeah and clark too clark is just a mean mean dude and i just think 
you know, on Saturday, it was, you know, Clark's have, has had to have been everybody's dad. And he's really, he's got some of that in him, but he's more of the big brother that can go and, and settle a dispute. And so he can be that now. How do you, with the wins and losses being attached to you, when things aren't good, how do you handle that yourself? I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, I, I never, I always try to look at, um, you know, what are the things we can do better? Why is this happening? Um, you know, I think of people that are affected by it. I think of where I can be to try to help. Um, and, um, you know, are there things I'm not seeing right? Are there things that are, you know, what's crazy is is that, um, you know, the the universe will keep telling you something until you kind of stand up and listen to it. And, um, you know, you have to, I think so much of it is that. And, you know, I hear, see, you got to, you got to, you got to get the right view of it. And um, I, so I, I, I try to be there with, with our people so that we can all see it and hear it the right, the same way, be on the same page. Second thing is the process. Like, what are we doing that's um, that's not working? Um, you know, are there? Let's think through all of the things, and if something's not working, what can we do better? And then um, the mindset would be the third third thing. And so, like, the, you know, going into it, there can be when you lose. Sometimes there can be. Um, uh, uh, going through the motions, there can be, uh, you know, hey, I'm gonna do all these things, but it, it ain't really gonna mean anything because I know, you know, we're not a good team, we're gonna lose and all that. And so, you really have to be intentional about that. There's like these silent forces where if you don't ad- specifically address the person, the player, or the coach and dig into what's happening in their life and what's their feeling, these silent forces will overrun you. Um, especially when losses pile up. And so, you know, it could be playing time. It could be my future. It could be, you know, noise. It could be, um, uh, it could be production, lack of production. And so you have to, and it's not that those things are so strong. They overrun you there. They overrun you because you don't engage with them. You don't spend the time to see them. You don't reach out and, um, and touch those things. And so, uh, yeah, people, process, and mindset, I think, are way strong. So I, I do all that, and then, I don't know, I've never been, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's um, never been too attached to the wins and losses, and so I think it's, um, you know, if I were to be tested on some type of uh, scale, there'd, there'd probably be something that would show up, you know, some some type of uh, um, spectrum number or something. I don't know. But I think the one of the benefits of that is that these things don't ever really get to me too much. One more thing. You brought up the just there for the right. Monterey, Monterey said that in a post game mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago after Tech, mm-hmm. that there were guys that were just there for the right. One, he was one of those in the doghouse mm-hmm. because he, well, he put himself there. Mm-hmm. How much did it help that he spoke out mm-hmm. and that it shows that he's gotten it now? Yeah, I think it's huge. Yeah, I think there's guys, I mean, you look at like, um, I think Gabe Hall is a guy that's playing really good football right now. I think TJ Franklin on the sidelines of, um, 
this past game, we, you know, we did not play well defensively. And um, in the past, um, TJ would be one that would ride the wave of it's when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. And TJ's on the sideline just getting in guys' faces and challenging them, and this is not us, and it's just – you know, and then there'd be another bust and another touchdown, and he gets back and he does the same thing, and so it's just strong growth right there, man. I think like that's like um, obviously we don't want to be in that situation where mm-hmm. those points are given up, but in terms of just him and more from where he's been to where he is now, I think it's way cool, and it's taken everybody, including him, um, to get to this point, and so I think he's one. I think like. Um, you know, uh, Matt Jones is another one that, that just has just evolved. And, you know, I think it's hard because it's like, um, you know, you'd like to be able to control all of that and push a button and say, hey, this is going to happen today and this is going to be understood today and this is all going to connect and make sense today. Uh, but you don't control it. And so you can do your very best to influence it. And I think you know, the best way to influence is to be an example of it. Uh, so that they can see you as someone that can be trusted. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Dave Aranda, Baylor football coach on 365 Sports. We will be back with Chuck Cooperstein, Matt Brown, J.J. Joe, Phil Bennett, and still more of the discussion we have on many things college football. We appreciate your time every day that you give us on 365 Sports. Petty Clinic, LowT.com. It's located just off Highway 84 in Woodway, and Dr. Kent Petty and his staff can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and perhaps used to be. As you get older, you could be that one out of every three to four men who have symptomatic issues of low testosterone from ED, a low sex drive, sleep habits, energy is not the same, you're lethargic, all of the above or something. Dr. Kent Petty, contact them on the website, pettycliniclowt.com. Tell them I sent you. He will then, and his staff, set you up to get your blood work. They will take care of that for you. You go get your blood work. He gets the results. They'll look it over. And if your testosterone level is too low, he could put you in a program to make you, uh, well, better again in a lot of different ways, things that perhaps are just not the same. Pettycliniclowt.com, helping you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. Pettycliniclowt.com. Call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award winning lineup of best selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F 150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. <laughs> Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. 
The Butcher Shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows, pigs, and turkeys, too. I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoked barbecue. Next in line. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. He is the play-by-play radio broadcast voice of the Dallas Mavericks, involved in Many things, uh, sports and broadcasting, also a part a uh, Hall of Fame sportscaster, Chuck Cooperstein, joins us on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul, and I'm David Smoke. Yes, we want to get into college football, but my God, Chuck, we cannot go on too much further at all <laughs> without the glorious number Game 7 in Houston, and what an amazing series this has been. I mean, really, if, if it's possible for the action to actually exceed the hype. It, it, it has happened in this series. And, you know, even you, you think about the games uh, in Arlington, game, like game three in Arlington where Houston, you know, clearly you know, they were the better team and they deserved to win. But the Rangers were so close to being in that game and, and making Houston think about it just as uh, was the case in game two. Uh, in Houston, and, game, and obviously in Game Six, the, the final score last night was uh, extremely misleading, uh, given you know, the the fact they broke it open in the ninth inning. But uh, you know, we've got history. We got you know 2019 uh, all over again, uh, where uh, Washington and Houston played in the World Series, and the home team did not win a game in that entire World Series. So, certainly from the Rangers' standpoint, they're hoping that history repeats itself tonight. 
Chuck, uh, to college football now, the biggest story is off the field uh, right now where Michigan is embroiled in a, in a scandal of videotaping signals and uh, Big Ten schools are saying that they've got video of, of Connor Stallions uh, entering the stadium, that they've proven that he's bought tickets to 11 of the 14 other teams. Your thoughts on how the NCAA should handle this and what they may actually be able to do because they don't really work swiftly. Well, that's a very good point. <laughs> they don't work swiftly. And, you know, if it took them six years to resolve the Kansas basketball matter uh, in the manner that it did, um, and, you know, and there was some incredible reporting on that, uh, which basically said that Bill Self was going to uh, give up coaching in the 2022 NCAA tournament as part of uh, any penalty. And basically the NCAA said no after the IARP did what it was going to do. So there, there's no power here. They're, they're feckless. They have no teeth. They can't, they can't do anything. I mean, Michigan can stretch this out as long as they want to, or certainly until Jim Harbaugh goes back into the NFL, if, if that's what he wants to do. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anything happening here. I mean, if anything, it, it'll be the ultimate mild slap on the wrist and let's go on. Chuck, we were just talking about the the amazing USC-Utah game from the other night, and uh, what a win for Kyle Whittingham and company, especially without some of their stars. But what did you make of just USC and and the way that game unfolded, but also the big brouhaha post-game about not allowing or not having players speak to the media? Well, you know, college is supposed to be about uh, learning and growing and handling yourself in an adult manner. And uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley did uh, himself or his players any good by handling that uh, in the manner that he did. Uh, as far as the game goes, I mean, it was phenomenal. And Utah is just so tough. They play so hard all the time. doesn't matter who's playing, not playing. I mean, they are the ultimate next man up team. And, you know, the fact that they're 6-1 and one in the league, 6-1 and one overall, I mean, they got a great chance to win the Pac-12. Uh, you know, in their final year there. I mean, are they the favorites in the Big 12 next year? <laughs> they may very well be. Um, Kyle Whittingham is just one of the great coaches in the game that uh, that very few people speak of, you know, in that vein. Uh, you know, he in, in a lot of ways, isn't he like Bill Snyder at Kansas State? You know, and, and Chris Kleiman at Kansas State now is a lot in that regard. Those are teams you don't want to play. Because you know what? They're never going to beat themselves. You have to go beat them. And, and USC found itself in a, in, a, in a really tough situation there. They you know, got behind, made a rally, you know, got a great, great return from Zachariah France to set everything up. But in the end, uh, the, the bugaboo of USC and uh, Oklahoma before that with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, uh, it's just not worked and it doesn't matter how many different people they've brought into the program the quality of the transfers listen everybody wanted bear alexander right from georgia mm-hmm. um, te- texas kid um bear alexander made the wor- one of the worst plays in the game it was a horrible play i mean and, and now he didn't even get to play in the first half next week because he got called for targeting now i don't know i would not have called that particular play targeting but it, it was just, it was a stupid play, an unnecessary play, undisciplined play at the worst possible time. And then Brian Barnes did what he did. And did you have any doubt that the kid was going to kick the field goal for Utah? I, I didn't. I didn't. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're kind of getting what they deserve. And now there's all this hullabaloo around Caleb Williams and should he shut it down? Because 
they're not going to win the national championship, this, that, and the other. It's just, they're, they're a mess. And, um, you know, sometimes I wonder if Lincoln Riley doesn't think that, you know, that Norman, Oklahoma, that actually looked, that, that's pretty good right now. That looks pretty good right about now. So, Chuck, I, it's hard enough for me to swallow the um, missing bowl games. I, I've, I've kind of now come to that, the grips that that happens now uh, with players who are going to probably be drafted. But shutting down, any thought about shutting him down because they can't win something, that just that's a taste I can't get out of my mouth. Um, I'm kind of there with you. you. You and I were brought up in an era of, you know, your parents told you you finish what you start. <laughs> Right, you go through the season, and the season is what the season is. And I understand there are business decisions to be made. And you know, if you're if you're a uh, you know a a player like a running back or a linebacker, where you know in football your lifespan is is a lot shorter than it can be uh, at quarterback or receiver or something like that. You know, if you're if if you're that player, I can almost see you shutting it down because you may just have X number of snaps. But it's certainly as the leader of the football team to then cut out and basically, you know, call your own number, uh, I, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, and I'm sure it doesn't sit well with, with many others. Yeah, Chuck, I, don't, I just – I would bet on him not doing that until the, the bowl game. I mean, you know, that that's common practice now. Um it just it doesn't seem to me I'm just maybe putting this on Caleb Williams because I maybe think highly of him, but I just don't think he's that dude. That would do well, that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's he, he's kind of an iconoclastic figure, though. I mean, he's you know he'll he's he'll do his thing for sure. I mean, I don't I don't know him well enough to tell you if he's that dude or not. I, I will say this: you know, he does have a father who likes to run his mouth, and that certainly doesn't help matters. Chuck, your thoughts on uh, Texas and the news that Quinn Ewers is going to miss a little bit of time. Not exactly sure how long, but Malik Murphy and then, you know, Arch Manning right there waiting in the wings as well. It's been a good year despite that Oklahoma loss, but how do you see the rest of this way going for the Longhorns potentially? Well, you know, they said Malik Murphy had a great spring. We're about to find out if he's going to have a great fall. Hmm. Um, He's obviously athletically gifted. But I, as much as I think we all want to put this on the quarterback, you know, Texas has got some, some significant injury problems in the secondary right now, uh, which, again, playing in this league is never a good thing. Um, and I think a lot of this is going to come down to, to Sark. And, and frankly, not even so much how Malik Murphy plays, but how Sark manages him. And, you know, you look at that game last week, they're up 21 nothing. They're in total control of the game. And then, you know, Sark calls for the, the fake field goal and when he didn't have to do it. I mean, they're going to they're gonna make it. And they're going to go up 24, and the game's going to be over. And they missed it, and Houston went down the field and scored, and the game is on. And the game really got on, and to the point where, frankly, Texas ultimately was lucky to win the game. <laughs> got a pretty great break from the officials, and it should never come down to that. And I think if, if there is – a knock that I would have on, on Sark, you know, since he's been there, he's recruited great. He's recruited correctly. Uh, and I do think his, his guys play extremely hard. I do think his, his second half play calling and how they play in the second half of games, um, is, is, is not good. And that's something that's got to change that, that, that's something they've got to be able to figure out in, in order to better finish games than, than how they've done that here lately. 
When, let's go back to what you said about Whittingham and also you brought up Chris Kleiman because I saw a tweet you had over the weekend. If you had one of those two that you could choose from, uh, could you could you lose with either one if you had those two to add to your uh, to you, become you, a head coach? You're telling me to ask among kids? Come on now, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, really? No, you, you 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 will not lose. You will not lose. Listen, you know what, Kyle Whittingham? What, I think he's he's the second longest tenured coach now in college in uh, in college football in Division One uh, behind Kirk Ferentz. Frankly, I don't know how he continues to have his job given that offense. Uh, but somehow they managed to win a bunch of games, but they're <laughs> awful. Uh, Utah is not awful. I mean, Utah uh, was able to to move up in class, you know, in, into the into a Power Five conference and be a great team. And I mean, you know, been to the Rose Bowl twice. May go to the Rose Bowl again this year. I mean, who knows? Maybe who knows? Maybe there's something bigger in the in their future, depending on what happens in November. Because let's face it, in the Pac-12, you're going to play any number of games here in in November that people are going to pay attention to. It's, it's the best league in the country this year. It really is, and I I don't think that anybody really can debate that. Um, and Chris Kleiman, I mean, he now he really even more than Whittingham. He reminds me of Bill Snyder, or his teams certainly remind me of Bill, of the best Bill Snyder teams at Kansas State. They don't make mistakes; they just beat the ever living hell out of you. And you, you just you you you're looking for the license plate of that Mack truck that just ran over you when you're playing them. Chuck Cooperstein again, ESPN uh, broadcast voice of the Mavericks, with us on Sikkim three sixty five radio. Chuck, what do you think of uh, Nick Saban navigating? You know the, I mean. And this is this is not like a, a precipitous drop, but the least talented team he's had overall, but continue to find ways to win and, and coaching around their deficiencies. Well, I mean, the league isn't very good this year. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, if we take an even bigger picture, 30,000-foot picture, I mean, who's really good in college football this year? I'm not sure there's anybody who's really good. Anybody that you look at and say, that team's not losing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see that team, uh, you know, to Saban's credit and to his staff's credit. You know what? They they got Jalen, Mil- uh, you know, Jalen Milrow Mil- Mil- rebuilt, uh, you know, after getting getting benched the week after the the uh, South Florida game, which was just a horrific, a horrific show. Um, well, I guess he was benched for the South Florida game. He didn't play in that game, but they were just awful. Um and then, you know, but how do you figure, like, they play that game they played like against Arkansas last week, and then Arkansas plays a 7-3 game with Mississippi State and loses that game. I mean, I, I don't know how good the competition is, but I will give them credit, you know, for basically, you know, we talk about Sark struggling in the second half. Well, Alabama figures it out in the second half. You know, they, they certainly figured it out against Tennessee on Saturday, and they, you know, they did it against Ar- uh, Arkansas as well. Um, you know, they, they've done it a bunch of times this year, where even against Texas, they were much better in the second half than they were in the first half of that game. So, you know, to their credit, uh, he, they've been able to get some things done. But, I mean, I, I, I can see Alabama. I can certainly see Alabama losing to LSU. I can see that game. I mean, I can see I can see them losing to Auburn. I well, maybe they won't lose to Auburn because Auburn has no offense. But certainly they can they can lose to Georgia. I mean, this could certainly be a, a three or four loss Alabama team. I don't think that's out of the question. The fact that they've gotten to this point with uh, only one loss, uh, you know, the one loss being the Texans. Well, you know, give them credit for that. I mean, they lost to a good team. So, 
but they're, they're certainly not invincible by any stretch, but I certainly don't look at them as national championship worthy by any stretch. Chuck, as many people know, you are a proud Florida Gator. Gators have the world's largest outdoor cocktail party coming up against Georgia, one of those teams who's undefeated and number one. But like, how good are they? Are they unbeatable? Probably not. Uh, your thoughts on the Gators, though, and, and what you've seen with this 5-2 and two start, went over Tennessee, a couple of tough losses. But uh, how are you feeling about the direction uh, of the program right now? Well, Georgia Georgia will still be undefeated after this week. Too. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> I, I, there are there are no illusions here at all. Um, but as far as Florida's program, I think off the field, I think Billy Napier's doing exactly what he was brought in here to do. He's brought order. Uh, he's brought a he's brought a structure and built an infrastructure that looks like a modern college football program. Uh, Florida was way way behind, and it should never have been. But you know. First, Jim McElwain, and then, you know, Dan Mullen, um, and even to a certain degree, you know, Will Muschamp, uh, you know, really over the last 10 years, I mean, they, they've just not been where they they should be, given their, the history of the program, uh, the state that they're in, the conference that they play in, uh, the recruits that are available to them. Uh, Billy, Billy's done a terrific, his recruiting class this year, again, I don't follow recruiting all that much. But um, you know, all I know is I keep I keep seeing they they got like the second best quarterback in the country. They got the third best defensive end in the country. You know they uh, they got you know the big defensive tackle that can uh, can shut people down. Uh, I think he's building it the right way. My issue with Billy right now is is the stuff that happens really on the field. He he wants to be everything. He he wants to be the offensive coordinator. He wants to be the quarterback coach. Uh, you know, he needs to be the head coach. Uh, Florida doesn't have a special teams coordinator. They divide up their special teams. And uh, oftentimes it relates, it, it uh, devolves into absolute chaos, uh, frankly, on the field. And, you know, they, they, had a, they had a heck of a win, you know, two weeks ago at South Carolina. Frankly, it was a win that probably, you know, at least for a month anyway, got the Wolves off of Billy's back. Because they lost that game. And it would have meant the only road win that they would have had in Billy's tenure would have been at A&M last year. Uh, that would not have been good. Um, and, and, again, I don't know how good South Carolina is for that. I mean, South Carolina doesn't play much defense. But Florida's offense, is, it's, not, it's not the offense that people have, become, have come to expect from Florida. It's not explosive at all. It's, it's, it's a dink and dunk from Graham Mertz, who then, when he had to make a play last, uh, against South Carolina, did make a play. Um, did get the ball down the field. They have good receivers. They have good runners. There's just not a lot of imagination in the offense at all. And, you know, so to get that, uh, try to get that figured out. I think the, the, the uh, Austin Armstrong hiring, the, the young defense coordinator, I think he's going to be good. I think he is good. I think that he's, he's got some aggression uh, in that unit that wasn't there uh, last year. But um, I, I, they're, they're still very, very much a work in progress. Uh, you know, there no one is going to confuse them with the Urban Meyer Gators of 2008. Chuck, uh, are you okay with them just letting Graham Mertz wear 15 like that when they got the statue right outside? I I was kind of surprised well, that number's not retired. Well, they, they Florida doesn't retire numbers. Okay. I mean, they they you know you got guys wearing 11 Spurrier's number, you got guys wearing seven Danny Werfel's number. So I mean, you just just expect it. That's just the way it is. Chuck, back to Game 7 tonight, Astros and Rangers. You've done 
and broadcast many games over the years, and I'm sure I've attended Game 7s even as a fan or a, a, a covering a game. Is there one that's more memorable to you than any others? Well, my favorite Game 7 was the Mavericks in San Antonio uh, as a broadcaster in 2006 uh, when the Mavericks built a 20-point lead, blew the lead, uh, looked like they were going to lose, and then uh, Dirk, with 20 seconds to go, got fouled by Manu Ginobili on a three-point play, tied the game. The Mavericks won in overtime, and obviously went on to the finals. I mean, that the the, the wave of emotion in that building from absolute despair to uh, absolute ecstasy, and then to complete devastation when the Mavericks won. Um, there's nothing like it. I mean, it is. It's it's you know, it's it's do or die. You're in or you're out. Um, you know, as a fan, my favorite game seven. Uh, was Willis Reed's Game 7 mm-hmm. as a kid in, ni- in 1970 when the Knicks won the, the NBA championship against the Lakers. Um, but Game game 7s are cool. I mean, it's it's all on the line. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm really interested to see just how well Max Scherzer handles this tonight. Uh, you know, he obviously wasn't very good in Game 3, but they need him to be good tonight. They don't – I don't know they need him to be great but they, they need they need to be able, I think, to get five innings out of them. And if they can do that, you know, then you can bring you can bring Jordan Montgomery into the game at that point because this is a bullpen day for him, and um, and and go try to win the game that way and try to uh, you know keep your bullpen as far away from the action as possible because I don't know about you, my, my <laughs> blood pressure is just totally through the roof when 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 uh, when Nathan Valdi got pulled last night for yep. Josh Spores and you know Spores has been great. He's been really, really, really good in the postseason. But when Evaldi's thrown like that and he gets taken out on a soft dinker by by Altuve, it, to me that that's just right. I'm I'm going to ride or die with that guy until he tells me he can't go anymore. Yeah, I but that's agree. that's you know that's not that's not baseball today. But but it's an all hands on deck night for everybody, and uh, I can't wait to see who's going to be a hero. I, somebody's going to be a hero tonight. I just don't know if I emotionally can go to another series if they win tonight. I guess I'll have to find a way to get myself in fan shape because it's been so long. But that's just me watching the Rangers you know, for but, years. But, well, right. You know, but it's interesting. Like uh, you know, when the Mavericks a couple of years ago when they when they beat Phoenix in the second round. Uh-huh. And then you know you're going you're you're going on to play Golden State. I mean you know they're they're the Warriors. You know they're they know they were obviously they weren't good the year before, but they're still you know they 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 got that rep. But it it felt like so much was already accomplished by beating Phoenix and the, and the rivalry that existed in that series and winning Game Seven the way they won Game Seven. It was almost like what happened afterward didn't matter, and yet it obviously matters because those games are even more important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Coop, thank you as always, buddy. Great to have you on the show whenever we can. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Dallas Mavericks with us, known him for years. Great broadcaster. Appreciate his time on 365 Sports. When we come back, Matt Brown, extra points on many things college football, including his thoughts about NIL and the possibility, or at least there was a plan to maybe feed money into the HBCUs. That did not work out. That and more, Matt Brown, next on 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great customer service whenever you go over to the dealership uh, or talk to them over the phone or email them. But also, when you are over there, you're checking out their various offers. They've got great deals. They've also got the great customer service that I mentioned, and they've got uh, a great lineup of 
cars, trucks, and SUVs to check out today and hopefully drive away. And and right now, uh, over at the dealership, it's a little bit of a mess out front with Highway 6 going uh, undergoing a lot of construction, so they want to make it uh, easier for you uh, to buy a new vehicle while it's harder to get over to them. Right now, qualified buyers can save over 7 k on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 and can also finance for 0.9% financing with dozens of Sierras on the lot. They've got the inventory, they've got the pricing, the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra truck today, and military and first responders can save an additional $500. Same goes for the offers with the Buick lineup. A perfect combination, first-class luxury and value, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick offers amazing value, and right now you can save $5,000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save $4,000 on a 2023 midsize Buick Envision. And as I said, military and first responders save an additional $500. They also trade for the best. So if you're looking for pre-owned vehicles or you're looking to trade in your vehicle, uh, they can help you out there. The financing goal, though at Richard Carr, is 100% credit approval as they say yes when others say no. And also, if that wasn't enough for you, their award-winning service department is always standing by to keep you on the road and cannot be beat currently on tires, offering a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town. Service your car or truck with the people you can count on over at Richard Carr. In business for 24 years in Central Texas, run by proud Central Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 20 
26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Matt Brown, Extra Points, has been with us many times. Love the knowledge, insight. He joins us on 365 Sports. Matt, I want to start with this and want to get into the article you had late last week about NIL, HBCUs, and uh, revenue sharing, et cetera. But what are your thoughts about, despite what maybe nothing can be done of what's happening with the latest news out about Michigan and one of their staffers? <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Like, I, I do think this is an objectively funny college football scandal, which are, are my favorite kinds. Like, <laughs> nobody really got hurt. You have a guy who's real. He was apparently his real name was baptized as Connor Stallions, which feels like from the Joey Freshwater school of made up names. <laughs> yeah. And then I can't imagine anything more Michigan than a guy potentially being busted for NCAA violations because of what he posted on LinkedIn. That's the most Michigan crime imaginable. Like, of course this is all, this is, oh, this is very funny. Like what I, what I can share, I don't think I've written this anywhere yet, but I, I had, w- had talked to some uh, folks involved with the NCAA investigations and on the compliance side outside of Big Ten country where they had been hearing about this particular, you know, uh, investigation. Uh, my understanding is that, you know, you, uh, to, similar to what, what Pete had shared earlier today, the NCAA is going to get a lot of video evidence here. Uh, I think potentially even some, like, audio evidence. So I have no idea what they're going to do. Like, it, it, it's not... There's no, there's no precedent for this, particularly because this is such a big name program having a historical season. Um, no one's ever, you know, faced a postseason ban or uh, had this kind of cheating litigated before. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend this is some great moral outrage and Michigan must have their eligibility terminated immediately and Jim Harbaugh needs to be sent to a work camp in Siberia. It's like, it's not anywhere near on that kind of scale. But it is funny, <laughs> and and I'm, I would be very, very surprised if it turns out that, that this gentleman uh, was either innocent or acting without, you know, the the, the knowledge of higher-ups in Michigan. Yeah, uh, on Connor Stallion's name, on Friday's show, I, I, I said that Connor Stallion's is not a coach. That is your Channel 9 news anchor, you know, at, you know, news at six with yeah. Connor Stallions and Gail Justice. Like that's that's what his <laughs> name is. Uh, I, I, that's, that, that's exactly right, and it, it's got to be like a tier three or a tier four t- 
television market. Like, hi, I'm Connor Stallions here out of Wichita Falls or Grand Rapids. Like, Connor Stallions isn't working in Houston. Connor Stallions is a little, a little bit farther down the Nielsen rating. Yeah. Matt, um, the, um, the NIL hearings last week, yeah. uh, the 10th NIL hearings, uh, does this kind of prove that maybe – Nothing is really going to get done. I mean, there's really no motivation for it right now, and they have much bigger fish to fry considering that one branch of the government's not even functioning right now. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's really motivation other than using this for publicity. You know, it, it, it's, we're in a really weird spot with these hearings because there are a handful of U.S. senators and their staffers who, honest to God, really do care about this and really do want to, to make it happen. And it isn't just the people in, in front of the cameras. Like we, we know that, that, you know, Senator Chris Murphy's people and Cory Booker's people are motivated to, to look into this. Tommy Tuberville's people are, are motivated, but I, you know, I, I've been told there's, there's five or six more, but it's certainly not a majority. And many of them aren't leading the relevant committees. And then to your point, it's mid October. And it's very unlikely that bipartisan significant legislation gets passed anywhere in mid October because we're heading into a presidential election year and every, everybody in the U S house and a bunch of these, these senators, I got to focus on reelection. You have multiple international crises. You have a, a border crisis. You have more concerns about inflation. And then uh, to say all of that, we literally don't have a speaker of the house. Um, so even if there was appetite to get this legislation done for more important people, I don't think that I, I don't I, I don't think I think the calendar is going to run out because the house is so dysfunctional right now. And the kind of people not to, I don't want this to get partisan, the kind of people that are likely to eventually win the speaker's election from the house right now are not the kind of people that have a strong negotiating relationship with their Democratic counterparts in the Senate, which makes shepherding this thing through very, very unlikely. All right. So I read the story. I think it was Friday afternoon. Was there a time when Congress was discussing NIL and one of the ways that they could make this happen was also to help truly feed revenue in any way to the HBCUs? Yes. So this, this, this is what I learned here. I talked to some, some staffers that were close to uh, Senator Maria Cantwell, who's the head of the, the Commerce Committee. She's the Democratic senator out of Washington. Um, when these Senate bills were in negotiations like a year and a half ago, um, you know, there was actually some pretty broad agreement between Democrats and Republicans working on the bills about the NIL stuff. The question on the Democratic side was, you know, some of the, the other non-NIL things they wanted to stick in the bill. One, one of the things that, that uh, Cantwell's people wanted and other Senate Democrats wanted was to make sure that all college athletes could have access to post-graduation health care treatment for, I think, two to three years, similar to what's in the NCAA Transformation Committee. Um, and to expand that a little bit. So if you know you got to tore your ACL your senior year, if you're playing, you know, basketball for Incarnate Word, that you wouldn't be on the hook for the treatment immediately afterwards. The problem was that dozens and dozens of low, low major Division One institutions, including many HBCUs, but not exclusively. This is also Southland Conference schools, NEC kind of schools, were saying we can't afford that. We can't afford the insurance premiums of, of expanding coverage to 500 people on campus. The Democratic uh, response was, let's do some revenue sharing from either the NCAA central office, maybe so a couple of major conferences, major programs to help offset the premiums to pay for insurance to little guys. 
that fell apart. And I was told specifically because Greg Sankey works to kill it. You know, you know the, where the SEC was kind of taking the lead in lobbying, saying we will not support that kind of revenue sharing. That bill fell apart, and now here we are. No bill, no revenue sharing. That is not a shock to me that the major conferences would not be into that idea, Matt. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's almost as if it only ever happens in the pros uh, if there, it's attached to some major concession from labor through contentious uh, you know, bargaining, which, which isn't, isn't able to happen here. No, I'm not surprised that Texas A&M hypothetically would not want to give money to Incarnate Word. Matt, I had a call, or no, I had, excuse me, a message on our message board, second365.com, asking me to ask you about the college football video game that eventually is released and whether or not have any teams actually signed up to be a part of that. Uh, yes. I Last I talked to some developers, I believe that number is well north of 120 FBS teams that have uh, formally signed the paperwork. The expectation on the EA side and in the licensing community side is that every single FBS institution will be involved. I believe that will be 134. Well, it will include Kennesaw State uh, mm. for the release for next year. Uh, I, I can confirm it includes Kennesaw State because I've seen what they sent in. I, here's the, I have their, all the helmets and the uniforms and the audio that they submitted to EA Sports. The only – it's not even really a hang-up, but the reason that a handful of schools haven't formally signed the paperwork yet – is because they said they weren't going to do it unless the athletes could be paid. Well, now the athletes can be paid, but the contract hasn't been sent over yet. That contract's not expected to be sent over until next spring. And so when that happens, the schools will then execute the contracts. Although people at EA have told me those holdouts, which are schools like Northwestern and Notre Dame and Tulane, they've still been sharing assets. They've still been communicating as if they're going to be a part of the game. So everybody should be in the game. All right, uh, I, I saw this tweet. Do you have this up, uh, Garrett, on Emmanuel Acho and what he said following uh, the USC yeah. loss to Utah? Caleb Williams should consider sitting out the rest of the season. Heisman long shot. College playoffs less likely. He won't play in the bowl game. The risk of uh, playing far outweighs the reward business decision. Uh, what say you? Well, I am not surprised that a lot of other national commentators have responded very negatively about that. I understand where Emmanuel's coming from here, but we've, we've had a couple of people do this, and it generally hasn't re- worked out that well for them. And, the, and one of the challenges here for Caleb, right, is the, the kind of word on this guy is, you know, enormously physically gifted, uh, one of the most productive college quarterbacks ever, certainly over like the last, the last 15 years. Um, and the, the kind of the, the potential concern, right, is, is, he, is he a team player? Is he selfish? Is this what, what, what the, that's kind of the side conversation about all of them there? And if you failed with like six games left, when you still have a lot to play for, you could still make the Pac-12 championship game. You, you, you could still be a part of a, of a you know, hang, hang a banner. Um, yeah, you would get a lot of criticism for that. If, if, if he was injured – I think people would be understanding if he decided to sit for the last six weeks, if there was a chance he could aggravate some other significant injury. But at the end of the day, like you play college football to play college football. Mm -hmm. And if there's an opportunity to to still win a lot of games and and do things that are meaningful and important and for your legacy, of course you'd still want to do that. Do you think that some NFL teams would cross him off their list or is he just so talented? There's no way that they would put an asterisk next to him. I think that's the kind of thing 
where a scout or a GM or some self-satisfied person in an NFL personnel room would tweet that they've taken him off their list and then still take him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, if, 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 you, if, if Caleb Williams was the ninth best quarterback in this class, if he was a, a projected fourth rounder, yeah, I could see somebody, you know, just scratching him off. But if he's the near consensus number one pick, he could do things a hell of a lot worse than sit out six games to be automatically removed from somebody's draft board. This is the NFL. It's not the Boy Scouts. Absolutely. Matt, as always, thank you, man. Appreciate what you do. Appreciate your time with us. Of course. It's yeah. my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Matt first. Brown, publisher of Extra Points, the note about over 120, and every FBS school will be a part of the video game. Thanks to the uh, question that was sent to me in a direct message off of the website. Matt Brown, uh, appreciate his time on 365 Sports. When we come back, J.J. Joe. Baylor did not run a, uh, have a run play until the fourth series at Cincinnati. What did he see that was different or what that he could tell pretty quickly? Can they continue that, sustain that, and more? And then just after 5 o'clock, True Serum Deluxe with Phil Bennett. He'll join us on This Is 365 Sports. Just now got a text from Ted Teague. CEO, general manager at Allen Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. The 2023 Ram Lone Star Crew Cabs, 0% financing for 72 months and 8000 off. Limited supply, hurry, don't wait. 2023 Ram 2500 Heavy Duties, now 4000 in total values on hard-to-get workhorses. And the 2023 Cab and Chassis 4500 in stock for the guy who wants to pull a house. Pre-owned deals, hot and a nice. That's what I bought there, a pre-owned vehicle when I bought there in the summer of 2020. They just traded for a 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee Track Hawk, 18,000 miles. will get you there not only in luxury but warp speed. They have two pre-owned BMWs, a 2019 X7, a 2020 X4, nice cars, a 2020 Volvo XC40 with 47,000 miles, a 2022 Mercedes E350 E-Class under 20,000 miles, two pre-owned Jeep Wagoneers, and that is a great car too, an SUV. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, as we are right here in the month of October, I just told you that is fresh off what the text was from Ted Teague, General Manager, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This segment with former Baylor quarterback and Baylor radio analyst J.J. Joe is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco. Big 12 again this week. Fox Sports, is, their, their noon kickoff will be at Kansas with Oklahoma, Houston at K-State, West Virginia, UCF, Iowa State at Baylor, and then BYU at Texas, Cincinnati at Oklahoma State. J.J. Joe, Baylor Radio Color Analyst, former Baylor quarterback, joins us on 365 Sports. J.J., uh, when did you notice that they had not run a single running play in that game until the fourth series against uh, Cincinnati on Saturday? Well, Smoke, my job is to analyze. And, I, I, you know, I recognized pretty quick that we hadn't gotten Reese or or Dawson or, or Dominique the ball pretty early. So, um, you know, I, I remember when they handed it off for the first time, and I'm, 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 I'm guessing here a little bit, I think it was one to Reese, but it may have been Dominique, but, but I knew pretty early. I don't think we got – I think maybe we got to the second quarter before we handed it off to a running back. So, <laughs> I recognize pretty early that our, our approach is going to be a little different today. J.J., what did you think of the changes they made along the offensive line? I liked them. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, you know, I didn't know much about Colton. I'll be honest. Uh, Price, at, and, you know, I, I just kind of heard that he, you know, he's kind of a nasty guy. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way for a lineman. That you know, he he likes to play up to the edge. I think that's very similar. I heard that about Clark. That Clark kind of likes to to play towards the edge, you know, of of of, of, of aggressiveness. Uh, but I did like it. I thought, you know, even though we didn't run it early to really test them, we did late. 
I thought the the middle seemed a little sounder. And I, I'll tell you something, guys. There's there's a few times in the game where as a, a quarterback, I actually think I said this on the air to Jay Mo. I said I think there was some pushing going on between Barrington and Price or one of them in the defensive tackles. And I said I like that. And 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 what that meant to me is that when you have linemen that are a little bit edgy, you know, it can get you in trouble with some penalties. But I really like – I think this group of guys need some – a few players that like to play right up to that edge and sometimes a step over. So, I like the changes. So, J.J., they made those changes. They also very clearly, you know, we're not trying to establish the run early on, knowing that that was a strength of Cincinnati and a weakness of theirs. Eventually opened that up a bit more in the second half. But Randall also mentioned, you know, not hitting on some of the, the RPOs. And there were at least a couple of throws I can think of, uh, one to Keetron Jackson down the middle of the field that they just could not expose yep. and connect on that. Uh, obviously, Blake's got to hit those. Um, but outside of that, is this something that's sustainable? Is this a, a style that you can see them deploying for these next five games and, and having some success? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it'll be tough next week a little bit because Iowa State plays a little different. Right. Uh, they're, they're a little bit more base, a little bit more sound. They take a few fewer chances. Uh, they they both, both teams tackle well. So I think, you know, that we'll be able to incorporate just like our traditional run game a little bit more. I mean, we just kind of went all the way from one side to the other, I thought. But if you see those two be tackled, if you saw uh, uh, the godfather and then the other guy called the father because he actually is a, 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 a father of three children. Uh, so, so I mean, those guys are big, thick guys, man. You can see why we just went the other way. But I like the RPOs. And I, I wrote this for you guys today. I said that. I actually am not discouraged by them missing RPOs because, number one, we haven't run that diet of them this season. And that means that we've really probably worked on them the last couple weeks with extensive action. And working them in a scrimmage or in practice is so far removed from full speed in the game that I know that by next week, Blake will know, okay, this is Keytron's tempo on the RPO. This is Cameron's. And he'll connect on those because Blake is accurate. Blake, Blake just doesn't miss that much. So I, I was at least at least that's the positive side. You know, I looked this up and I did not know uh, he he threw forty two passes. I think last year against Oklahoma State he threw forty. I believe right. he also completed more passes in that game and attempted more passes in that game than he has at any time. Now last year was a full year. Twenty one was very a small sample size. Uh, it does show, man, he can wing it around a little bit. Hey, I mean, you know, hey, Dave, I mean, to me, when you commit to Blake, there's only one reason you're going to Blake. And this, and that's why I said, I, you know, I, I said last time, I didn't understand why we didn't get receivers. Well, now you have a few receivers, I do feel. Now, sometimes we get in a matchup issue. We miss Hal. I hate that Hal's going to be out the rest of the season. Even Jonah, I think, is out. Uh, but I think we have enough guys on the edge. But when you go to Blake, I think you can throw the ball. I don't want to think you want to throw it 42 times every week. But I think you can throw the ball between 30 and 40 times every week with Blake, and he's going to give you something. Especially when you have, I think, the good mix of receivers we have. You know, you have a – and here's the thing. Monterey, uh, if they hit him a couple times, he has 100 yards easy, but Blake didn't see him. But Monterey cleared so much for these guys on Saturday. I mean, you, you should have saw the commitment by Cincinnati to bracket Monterey, which opened up a couple digs for uh, Josh and opened up Keytron. So uh, I think you can throw a smoke, you know, 30 to 35, 37 times. And with this mix of guys, 
we may need to be up into that 30 range anyway. JJ, how much do you think Keetron Jackson took a step forward in just his aggressiveness and not being denied in some cases? And there was still more meat on the bone. Like I, I mentioned with Blake, you know, hits him on a couple throws. He may find the end zone on one of those. But uh, huge game, obviously, for Keetron. What do you think that means moving forward? Well, I think a couple things. I, I think one, Coach Aranda mentioned, I think they like the matchup a little bit better than maybe the previous week. Uh, I think Tech had a pretty decent guy on the edge, a couple of them. I, I think there's one other. I forget which game it was. They had a pretty good match. I think they like the matchup, and I think it also helps when receivers know, man. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna chunk it today. Mm. That, you go into the game with a whole different uh, a little pep in your step. Trust me. And I think they knew coming in that like Keytron ended up with I think 11 targets, and I think Monterey had 10, or that may be vice versa. And when you know, man, you're gonna get looks, dude. It changes your whole mindset going into the game. And I was happy to see Keytron make catches that I think we all thought he would make earlier in the season. He's now finding his groove a little bit. Yeah, there was one when he kind of went up. There was a pack around him. He went up and grabbed it and yeah. came down with it. It didn't bounce loose. It's kind of like, okay, it's going to pop loose. So uh, on the broadcast, the television broadcast, I listened to a lot of what you do, but also was on the broadcast. Somebody brought up that they said that a lot of players met with Aranda during the uh, by off week and mentioned that they did not want some fake rah-rah stuff. They didn't want that. They wanted knowledge, X's and O's, and football content. And the younger players, maybe, that that was uh, kind of over their head by this emotion or energy. And you hear the fan base, he's not emotional enough. He's never going to be that way. That's who he is. And apparently it made a difference a little bit, at least for one week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Coach Aran, they they're just telling him, hey, man, be who you are. I mean, I, you know, I – you know, we've heard some stuff and what they're trying to do. They're just trying to make coaches are looking for buttons to push. I mentioned this last week to you guys. And every team, even though it has similar players, is so different. The stuff it takes to get guys going. And I always, I'm always a believer that, yeah, it's the coach's job to get these guys going. But then also, in combination with that, the veterans on this team. And that's what we saw the other day, Keytron. He's a veteran. He's only been here a short time, but he's a junior, senior, whatever it is. Uh, um, uh, uh, Matt Jones had a good game. We didn't talk about it much, but he had nine, ten tackles. He's a veteran. So the combination between coaches and upperclassmen players, they have to be the ones that bring those young players along. Monterey's in that group. And I, I was glad to see it seemed like the level of energy and effort and, and just aggressiveness was, was there from the start, maybe the week off health. And I'm going to tell you, they talk about Coach Rand and not being fired. If you would have saw him on those sidelines, I mean, he, he was showing – that, hey, we, we need this. And I think they like it in that environment, showing gas versus maybe, you know, trying to do a lot at different times in pregame, et cetera. JJ, to this week, a suddenly resurgent Iowa State team that's very physical up front on both sides of the ball. Um, this is going to be, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, this was one of the games, and look, they still could, but where you talked about, okay, well, this is maybe a get-right spot for Baylor, but they're going to have to come with it because it's going to be a street fight. No, it is. And one thing that Iowa State's going to do, and I wrote this today too, is that the one thing that this team still has to learn, number one, can I put back-to-back efforts together? You know, we had a, a good effort at Utah, then we came back and had not-so-good effort against Long Island, even though we won, and not-so-good effort against Texas. So they have to put good efforts back-to-back with energy present. And then the next thing is we have to learn that once you get a chance, because our team, we don't the, – the, the the margin of error for this team is not there. So when they get a chance, when they get a 20-7 to seven lead like they did on Saturday, and you get the ball back, 
uh, or they get the ball, your defense is out there. You have to try to put a chokehold on a team. And if you don't, a team like Iowa State, who is sound, uh, who is going to make tackles, who is not going to make mistakes, they're going to force you to beat them, and then they're going to watch you beat yourself. That's what they'll do. And that's what they did to Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. So, so it'll be a tough on Saturday. But I'm going to tell you this. Coming to this season, I didn't think Iowa State would win three, four games. Max. They're at four and one or four and two, whatever they are, guys. You know what they are. Yeah. And I think from a talent perspective, uh, you know, maybe it's even. I don't know. I'm not analyzing rosters yet. I don't think it's a big gap where Iowa State is like, you know, three levels of, uh, they have three levels more better talent than we have. But I think right now they're more confident. And on Saturday, I'm hoping our guys build on what they had this past Saturday. JJ, what was your Queen City and Nippert Stadium experience like? Hey, it was nice, man. I'll tell you, I was, uh, I was, um, you know, the, 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 the stadium was a little smaller than I expected. I mean, I don't know what I expected. It was a little smaller, but it was, I liked where it was. It was, it held sound pretty good. Uh, I like going to the Queen City. It's the first time I've been to Cincinnati itself. And only thing I hate is I was trying to get across the street. We went to someplace. And I was trying to get across the street to get some red gear, man. These, these jokers closing at like 530. I'm trying to say, what's up with that? <laughs> I didn't know you were like Salt Red- Lake City. I didn't know you were a Reds fan, <laughs> JJ. Hey, I, hey, man, I'm a, I grew up in Arlington. I'm a, I'm a Rangers okay. fan, but... The one, the one thing, the one thing that I did when like the, it was the old Big Twelve, like we would go places like it was kind of new for me because I didn't play these. Like when we went to Nebraska, I got a sweater. We went to different places. I always got a sweater or something just to have. Uh, I got my boys some shirts or something just to say, hey man, I mean, it's, it's me. I probably won't go here very often, so that's all I want. I just trying to grab the some red gear. So being a Rangers fan, um, you uh, you a little excited about Game Seven tonight after that? What? how that finished Friday and then also last night? Hey, 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 I'm very excited. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was hoping that I was hoping that Garcia would, like, dance around the sideline, I mean, around the, the base that last time <laughs> when he got that up. So the guys would hit him and get us a free base runner here early in this game, right? I mean, I, that's what I was hoping. But, but no, man, I, I grew up, you know, I'm not a huge baseball fan, I'll be honest. I do watch the World Series pretty much every year. Um, but I'm a Rangers fan because I grew up literally – a mile and a half from the stadium. I used to go to the boys' club, grew up in the boys' club. Then it's now the boys' and girls' club. We used to always go to Arlington Stadium. We got free tickets. So I knew all the old guys. So it's good to see them back, at least with an opportunity. JJ, thank you, man. Great to have you on the show when we do. Appreciate your time. And again, his column, it is right up every Monday uh, in Sikkim365.com in the premium section. JJ, we appreciate it. That's uh, J.J. Joe with us. I think it may even go up Sunday night and available in the premium section by the end of the weekend. When we come back, Phil Bennett, longtime college football coach. He's next. This is 365 Sports. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. 
Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Cars price right, day and night. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. We're about to run down college football, the evidence from over the weekend. Phil Bennett, longtime college football coach, was the head co- or assistant coach at Baylor as defensive coordinator, head coach at SMU, and interim coach at Pitt joins us on 365 Sports. So let's start with um, Ohio State-Penn State. National game, physical as hell. Ohio State always seems to have just a few more weapons in what you saw in that game and what was 100,000-plus. You, you know, I tell you, the first thing that, that got me was how physical the front was, both sides. Uh, it was just, I thought it was a physical game, good fit, uh, receivers getting hit, backs getting hit, quarterbacks getting hit. Uh, whoever took the under in that game made a hell of a bet. <laughs> it, it, it was uh, it was really a physical, you know, one, they had one more player than what Penn State had. Uh, and, you know, Penn State played hard and had some opportunities. They had, a, had the biggest play of the game. 
uh, there was a, I guess it was a penalty. Remember the sack fumble that really would have flipped the game for on defense, and they just didn't get the break. But uh, for a defensive coach, it was fun to watch. I'm sure you had tears in your eyes based on the, how it used to be. Coach, uh, you mentioned the big play. They got called back. Uh, when you're on the road in an environment like Ohio State, which is one of the hardest places to play in all of sports, not just college football, anywhere you go in the world is going to be pretty hard compared to uh, – or maybe easier compared to Columbus and how that, that place gets. Uh, how hard is it to reel your guys back from that in the moment, especially given that you need – plays like that to happen in games like that so you can win. You saw what happened in the game, Paul. Mm -hmm. It was deflating. I, I mean, you, you could watch, and, and at that point, they're, they're sitting there, and the doubt set in. You know, are we going to get a break? Are we going to have the opportunity uh, uh, to, to, to get this crowd out of it? And now, now, listen, when I was at Purdue, this is a great story. John Cooper was at uh, – Ohio State, we go in there. I think we were 30-point underdogs, and we whacked them. I mean, we beat them like we owned the play, and it was crazy. They had a – he had had a big contract with a, a company up there called Big Bear that was the uh, – it was like a Walmart or something, and they had the whole stadium. I mean, it was loud. I'm so what are they saying? And they were singing, let's go Krogering. <laughs> because that's what they, they didn't like John Cooper. So that place is intimidating. Coach, uh, USC and Utah, quite the game on Saturday night. The Utes get a win despite the fact that they've been without their stars uh, and now have shut down Cam Rising for the rest of the year. Uh, USC had the comeback and then the just atrocious uh, 15-yard penalty to extend the Utah drive by uh, Bear Alexander. I was just curious, is the, the, the label of USC and being soft and all that, do, do you believe in that? And, and also, as a defensive coach, how would you have handled the Bear Alexander penalty and talking to that young man and, and, and then using it as a teaching lesson? Like, how would that all have gone in your book? The thing that I saw in the game, you know, I, I say this all the time, defense is about fit against the run and distribution and pass. And in that, you have to play technique. I don't see USC being a great fit team, cover team, or technique team. I haven't seen it since since he's been there. Uh, uh, and that's coaching. Uh, and, and you see things. Uh, the thing with Bear, we all know you're going to have penalties. But that's one of the reasons I think that he left Georgia. I mean, there's a discipline factor that, that you've got to have in football. You know, it can't be about you. It's got to be about us. And, and I always use the term, those are selfish penalties. And that was a, that was a senseless penalty. Uh, it, it turned the game. And then, of course, the scramble, the next play, I stayed up and watched every, every down of it. Turned the whole game up. And, and you could realize, you knew then, at that point, the game was in doubt. After a great job by USC's offense, uh, but the team as a whole is just not a very disciplined team. And and very few championship teams, you know, you know have those problems. And, and I think USC, it sort of uh, exemplifies of what we're saying. They're getting what, what they, they show. I have to ask you a follow-up on what was the Bear Alexander penalty, the, the dumb penalties, the selfish penalties. 
Who had more of those in your career as a coach, a football player, and would either one of them be named Orion Stewart or Ahmad Dixon? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Smoke. I'm going to have to talk to you after the, after the show. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to put a little adjectives in there. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You, you, you know, you take the good with the bad. I mean, in some kids, you really do. And, and those two, uh, you, you know, I, I tell you, we, I, I've always told you, we, we had love-hate relationship. I loved them. They hated me. <laughs> but, but I told them, I said, you know what I'm doing for you? I'm saving you from yourself. And I believe that. I believe college coaches, that's your job. They don't know what they don't know. You've got to save these kids now more than ever from themselves. Because with TV, with, with social media, everybody's got a gig. And, and football's not like that. It, it, is, it is a game. It is the, the utmost team game. And you just can't afford to have them. So in uh, answer to your question, I'm just smiling. Hey, I think it's unfair to leave Mike Hicks out of that discussion as well. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh, Cholo's birthday today. So, <laughs> so uh, really? oh. oh, yeah, <laughs> it's his birthday. So uh, I, I, I used to tell him, I, I said, what do they call you? What do they call you? And he said, they call me Cholo. So I, I texted him today and I called him. I, I used to always screw it up on purpose. purpose. I, I said, happy birthday, Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, um, how do coaches feel about – what has been alleged uh, with sign stealing at Michigan and going and and going and doing in person scouting and videoing on the sidelines um, that is is being investigated right now? Listen, I knew something was up when 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 uh, my boy Shiano at Rutgers at that game. You remember the remember the halftime yep. mm-hmm. speaking with the girl on the sideline? Mm-hmm. He was so pissed about something, and obviously they had their signals. And, and so, I, Listen, I hate that. I can't I, – I mean, to me, that that's – if you can't coach it uh, – I remember somebody told me one time, hey, I got signals. I can do it. I said, I don't want them. I don't want them. You know, to me, it compromises your integrity of being a good coach. You know, I've had guys try to do that or ask me to do it. I won't do it. I've never done it. I refuse to do it, uh, but yeah, I think without question, it's gone on there. And obviously, um, you know, they're a gray line team. They try to do things, you know, to the upteenth degree. Well, in our mind, and you know, the sportsmanship and, and the integrity, they're cheating. And, and it looks like it's going to, you know, really backfire them from a guy that that I think was in the Marines and and, and talks about having integrity. You know, I guess he found bought all the tickets. They said he had game tickets to the Ohio State Penn State game. You know, those weren't easy to come by. Mm-mm. I want to know who's paying for them. Yeah, there's a lot of details to sort through, but it's a very interesting story that has a lot of layers left to, to peel off. It feels like uh, coach of, and, and, and you know, let me ask you a question: sure. Do you think they would have lost any game without mm-hmm. having the signals? Truly, no, 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 no. no. It's it's like Pete and, Rose, and, and yeah. it, it might keep them. Who knows? I don't. I know the NCA is not 
all shot in the ass with him right now. <laughs> and who knows? It could keep him from, from having a chance to play for the championship. Yep. Very. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how, how that continues on. Uh, coach, uh, a couple of the big 12 newbies nearly had massive wins this weekend against the two departing schools. UCF comes up short against, uh, Oklahoma who stays unbeaten. Uh, but Houston down in their own Ooh. park, uh, nearly knock off the Longhorns. Quinn Ewers is now going to miss some time, but, uh, Texas does get the, uh, the stop there at the end. I know there's questions about the spot. Uh, just your well, thoughts you, on, what? on what you saw there. <laughs> I'm telling you, it looked like a longhorn spider to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought it was the first down. I really did. Uh, now, there, there's people, other people, I said this to a guy, he shot me a picture of a, a face mask by the offensive lineman at, at, at U of H. But uh, I tell you, it was that Houston played their tail off, uh, highly competitive game, got back in the game. Donovan Smith uh, is to be contended with. I mean, any quarterback that, that can extend plays is dangerous, and you saw that. Uh, I think the quarterback, it's going to be interesting. I see a dramatic drop-off in the way that Sarkissian calls plays with, with Malik than what he did with Ewing in that game. I don't know if it'll be, you know, if it, it will come to pass. I want to watch this Kansas-Oklahoma game because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, uh, with Plumley back, UCF, went toe-to-toe with OU. And, and I, of course, I'm not going to be critical of, of the coach on the two-point play, but, you know, I saw that run twice Saturday. Did y'all see the other one who run it? No. No, they ran it, and uh, the two-point play, I want to say it was another good team. It was a night game. Oh, i tell you who it was. It, it was Clemson. Oh, that's I mean, right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I believe it was Clemson ran it uh, a double pass. I, I, I'm not exact, but I saw it twice, and, and both of them were two point plays. And you know, it, I thought that what a great job, you know, by obviously the corner sank, great push by number 15 at OU. But you know, they had no problem going right down the field. Uh, the margin between good, great, and average is small. Uh, that's why I think this conference can be fun. You know, you go back to the Baylor Cincinnati game, um, hell of a game. And, 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 uh, but you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. And these teams that, that, that Texas is the OU, nothing. I, I think, you know, a lot of things can happen right now. And without Ewing, it's going to be interesting to see the, these next games as Texas plays, how they're going to do. Yeah, I think one of the things the MO with Texas before when a quarterback like this comes in, and they stay aggressive. Now, whether they do that or not, I don't know. But, yeah, there was this thought, and I think it was, I guess you could say it was realistic that Texas and OU were going to play again, right, for the Big 12 title. Yeah. But yeah. all of a sudden you look at what teams are turning the corner, like Oklahoma State, Kansas State's back on track, BYU's at least playing pretty well. Then you have Iowa State who's grinding, you know, uh, there, there are. Can you always explain there, 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 it, even, even though you were a part of many blowouts in a good way? There is never nothing is ever that easy. It's hard to win, David. Hard to win. And, and you know, uh, going jumping ahead to the Baylor game, I was tickled to death. I thought Jeff Grimes, with all the 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 trash talk that's been up, did a great job. 
I mean, they didn't they didn't run the ball till what five minutes to go in the half. Yep. I mean that they attacked them. I, I'm telling you, it put trust me, it put Cincinnati on their heels, and they couldn't recover. They did not prepare for that. And Chapin played good. He ran, you know, when he scrambled, he 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 kept plays going. They got on their heels. And there's not many times, and I've said this before, you win games like Baylor's defense giving up almost seven yards of snap. I mean, rushing. But but their offense won the game. I mean, the receivers, uh, they were on. Uh, and, and I thought that uh, – I thought Cincinnati got totally – I don't know if you saw the – I'm sitting there watching. They were trying to talk to them. And finally, the guy that was drawn on the board just threw the board down and walked off. And I don't know if him and the guy in the press box got into it, but the first half, they were extremely frustrated. And fortunately for us, they weren't able to regroup to, to win it. They got better. You know, they went to a run game and, 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 and almost got back in, but they weren't able to do it. Phil, if you were the defensive coordinator for BYU, would you, in his first start, since it is Malik Murphy's first start, at least early on, take some more chances than you would if Quinn Ewers was back there because you might be able to get in his head. Absolutely. You know, I, I tell you that story in 2012 when we were down and we had people hurt, and, and, and you know, I knew. I said, that's, that's when the light came on. We, we've got to be different. I can't worry about, you know, we're not good enough to, to, to get stops playing base. We've got to create situations of second long and third long. You know, first down is such a crucial, crucial down. And that's I go back again. That's what Baylor did on them. They they got them on first down, and they're going, oh wow, you know, they haven't done this, and they couldn't they couldn't do it. I think that 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 it's going to be interesting to me with BYU. You know, Tech, has, they're, they're going to play a different quarterback, but this is the second week in a row that they're playing a quarterback that is a backup in Texas Tech and Texas. Coach, uh, this is random, but I was just wondering after seeing some of the great crowds uh, this past weekend, what was the toughest place that you ever walked into a, to coach a game? You know, I remember one year uh, when I was at LSU, when Florida was Spurrier, really had it going and and we went down there it was a big game we had the number one defense in the sec and, and he had um what was the quarterback's name that he wasn't an nfl guy but but chris Dorn was receiver and oh yeah all, uh, uh danny warfel danny warfel yeah. and uh and and it was of all my games you know of course that playing in the big house when we beat them there and we and we lost to them there also. Uh, that was a good place. But Florida was the place I went, wow. I mean, and it was probably as close to LSU as I'd ever got. Because at LSU, you know, week in and week out, I think it's the best atmosphere. Oh, oh. When, I've been that place many times uh, as an enemy combatant, Coach, and – that place will shake your bones. You were dressed out in yeah. pads and everything? No. <laughs> no. Just uh no. My only armor was liquid. Uh but wow. <laughs> it was hey, and it, you, you and about a hundred thousand others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You walk it, in the door and even if you didn't have any liquid, you you felt like it was in your veins. 
You know, you. Uh, I love the question uh, about uh, Ryan Stewart and Ahmad Dixon. God bless both of them. And then you mentioned the coach that had the the board and he threw it down. And whoever, can you explain the greatest reality series ever would be the talking among coaches on headsets during a game? Oh my God! Have you speaking of that? Have you ever seen the? the you need to find this deal they did on on. What was the guy that looked like a Walters that was the coach for the Green Bay Packers? Mike Holmgren. Went to Holmgren. He, he, on his staff, he had Mariucci, Andy Reid, and somebody else. I think he had uh, oh, uh, Gruden. Little, uh, Gruden. And they're sitting there, and they're, t- they're, t- they're talking, and he is tearing far above it. He goes, <laughs> all right, Brett, here we go, here we go. Good, good, good. Let's get it, let's get it. And Brett throws the interception. He turns, he says, he's the dumbest, you know what? <laughs> and there was a penalty. And then I said, okay, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Then he tells Mary Ucha, he goes, that was the stupidest call I've ever. <laughs> I mean, you, you could you could make the fun. It would put that soccer show that's so hot on uh, uh, to pieces because it would be that funny. I, I know this. I've said some things that, that – I would never say again. On, on the headset? Yes. And to kids sometimes. <laughs> to, to, to players worse than other coaches that you were with on staff? You know, <laughs> I always let my players. I was hard on them. <laughs> but if I ever let – I always let them go off. If they need to go off on me, yep. I let them. Yep. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get mad. I'd laugh. I'd say, that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> I know, I know this, that, that when we had the blackout, the year playing Oklahoma and, and we're down there and we make a start and Ahmad Dixon is in the end zone, turns his back. They go to hurry up and they snap the ball and he's being the cheerleader. And, and KJ Morton sees it and on his own runs a, a stunt and stops the quarterback bail on fourth down. And everybody said, why were you so mad? Because I was watching Ahmad and Ahmad, and Ahmad will tell you, that might have been the only time he was afraid to come to the sideline. <laughs> and Ahmad is a tough dude. Yeah, no, he, he is, but that – God bless him. God bless those relationships. And, and can you do that now? Is that st- I, I'm not saying yeah. the coaches can't still coach and get pissed no. off at a player. No, you listen. There's got to be a balance. They got to know that it's more than football. You know, I know Bryce Hager told me one time. He goes, Coach, we used to think you were damn Jekyll and Hyde. I said, What are you talking about? He goes, Yeah, me and Eddie. Uh, and Ahmad would walk out as soon as practice over. If you make a start over and start practice over, and you know, get your ass off the field, and then you walk up to me, hey, how's your mom and dad doing? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd look at, I'd look at you like, like, like you really give it a rat's ass, or you know, he said we thought you were crazy, but you know, you got to have fun with it. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing they got to know. And I used to tell them, hey, listen. If you need me at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, you call me. And trust me, in Waco, Texas, they will all tell you it's happened. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've been there. Bill, uh, just, yeah. 
uh, but aren't those the do you miss those relationships more than even uh, I'm not saying game day or coaching because that's in your blood and will probably be something you do again. My God, but do you miss that? Is that what you miss the relationships with the kids? Absolutely, you miss the relationship with the kids, the coaches, and, and as I've said this many times, football breeds character. Everything that you want to be successful in life. You have to do in football, being involved in football. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a sacrifice. Uh, and, and, and it's bigger than you. You do it for, you know, you got a cause. And, and that's the thing I loved about our time at Baylor. Uh, I mean, I've coached them everywhere I've been, I've loved, but that was special. That's why we won back to back championships. And I truly believe would have been a, a three peat and maybe a national champion in 15 if we would have had a quarterback, just any quarterback. And, and, and I mean, just one of our quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a special group of guys, and it still breaks my heart, you know, to, to see them not get the credit that they deserve with, with everything that's happened. Uh, I, I think that's about to change. I think the 2013 team, now that something has ended, will probably be honored sooner than you think, which will be great. Well, I hope so. Yeah, me too. They were, they uh, were an awesome group. One note statistically about Alabama, we know it's been a struggle for them because the standard was so high. I saw this note from Aaron Torres. In the wins against Ole Miss, A&M, and Tennessee, the Alabama defense has given up a combined six total second-half points. Kevin wow. Steele is their defensive coordinator. I know around Baylor that's like a cuss word, but he, I know he's is. been around the, the, uh, quite a bit. And what does that say about what they're doing? Well, it says that Kevin has – listen, they were a mess last year, and, and, and you, it wasn't happening. That's why Kevin's there. He knows what Nick wants to do. Now, don't kid yourself. Nick's still involved. But Kevin is calling it, and he's calling it the way that Nick wants to call it. And, and, and they're doing a heck of a job coaching it. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Man, we appreciate you as always. Great stuff. The, 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 the people who view, the chat room, everybody loves the segment with you. So do we. We appreciate you. We love you, man. Thanks for your time, Coach. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I love visiting with you. You too. Phil Bennett, former right. longtime college football coach and not so sure, even threw that out there, that maybe something that opens up, although I think he's enjoying traveling around the country and doing his thing. Can you imagine sitting down and having a couple of cold ones with him or just sitting around and you have a few hours on the back porch or even if it's at a sports bar or whatever, just listening to his stories, which is what we try to do on Mondays. Yeah, he's got some great ones. Mm. The For Ahmad sure. Dixon or Ryan Stewart stuff is uh, is hilarious. Craig, do you have a favorite Phil Bennett moment or just a bunch of them over the years? Um, I know it's off the – just like random. I don't have a bunch of favorite mo- – I don't know. It's not I, – no, I don't. Uh, I mean, I enjoy talking to him, but I don't have like anything that's like sticks with me. Is like, oh, that's my favorite mem- – no, it's, I, I don't – I don't uh, really have anything like that that jumps off the page. I just, you know, in general, uh, appreciate that he gives us time and uh, appreciate his insight, and uh, I love listening to him. But, yeah, there's not anything along those lines that's, you know, super memorable or anything. That Paul remembers this. We're on our way up to Dallas to cover the AFCA Coaches Convention up in Dallas, and I get a call from uh, Phil's younger brother, who's coaching high school football at the time at Jefferson in East Texas, and we just I just happened to check in with him. 
And he told me that Phil was getting the job. He was taking over the job as defensive coordinator at Baylor. I get him on the phone, and that was a story that we were able to pop pretty quickly. Just timing. Got very lucky with that and have loved the stories. His brother Jim and Jerry, among many, many others. Kim Coulter, Super Chat, thank you. Coach Bennett equals greatness. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the feedback. Phil Bennett is phenomenal. Bobby B., appreciate that. Gary Wilson, I'm sure, I think pretty sure that Eddie Lackey named the kid after Phil Bennett, who was uh, the defensive coordinator when Lackey was an all-conference linebacker at the time. All right, when we come back, we're not done. 527, Paul's just around the corner with his top five. And let's get back into a couple of other college football notes, including looking at the Big 12 this week, last week, Arkansas with a new D, uh, new offensive coordinator, Dabo Sweeney in the postgame following Miami. Much more. This is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street. Um, I had to... Uh to break into my stash for uh, just a buddy here this week. I'm not going to say who, uh, but he pushes buttons. He he's he's been a little under the weather and wanted to make a hot toddy. So he said, "Hey, uh, look, I don't. I just want to try a couple things." And I said, "Okay." I brought him some whiskey, and guess where I got that whiskey? Riverbend Liquor and Wine, uh, and it was it was good stuff. Uh, it was absolutely delicious stuff um, that I brought him, and it was local craft bourbon right here in Texas. And they have so many different kinds of those uh, there. That's the best place to do it at Lakeshore Drive. North 19th Street. They've got a wide selection. They're always turning the roster. Craft beer time. Hey, it's fall. Um, you know, get the fall beers while they're here. And then they, they shift into winter probably around the, the end of November. So right now you got your Oktoberfest beers. So go and enjoy those right now. Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street. And also they have the new location downtown on Franklin Avenue that's more of the kind of the the what's going on in social media, the cool hip cocktails that are uh, people are are trying and 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 putting out there, they have those at Riverman Liquor and Wine in the downtown location. Now, two locations to serve you: Riverman Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North Nineteenth Street, and in downtown Waco. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 crew cabs. Or 11000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12500 off MSRP on Laramies. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sikkim Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. 
Samantha Duvall, Marketing Director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40-pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time what wagyu from their ranch to your plate texasbeefhouse.com this is 365 sports powered by sikkim365.com enjoying the show hit the like button and subscribe all right here we go in the chat room Uh, appreciate a lot of the discussion on Coach Bennett and having him, there's always some trash talk going on. Uh, we appreciate that, too, I guess. Uh, there was somebody that's no longer a part of the chat. I don't know if Emery or Levi or whoever maybe uh, may have nuked him called, uh, if you don't have five rings, you don't have time, you can't talk. Uh, he eventually got a little bit out of hand. Well, yeah, I had to, I had to remove oh, you him. Did. Okay. I had to remove him from the room. He got a little bit, little bit edgy. Arkansas. Fired offensive coordinator Dan Enos. Uh, he had a pretty good resume before he got there. Kenny Guyton will be elevated to interim offensive coordinator. He has been the receivers coach. Hogs are seven, had lost seven to three. Their offense has been struggling. Is Sam Pittman next? Yeah, I think he's in a little bit of trouble. I mean, again, you're talking about um, everybody talks about uh, A&M and Texas being an old rival coming back in. Let's not forget about old Arkansas money and Texas coming sure. back in and the way that they would feel about that. Now, granted, that money's a little older than the, the A&M and Texas money, but there is some, I mean, especially I would think the the guy who's one of their bigger donors, Jerry Jones, uh, look, he's got some feelings about Arkansas and Texas. Hell, he played in that uh, He was on game. the national championship Yeah, he was on that team. national championship team. So, yeah, there are... So Texas coming in the league, they're just kind of stuck in neutral at Arkansas. That they, they had their moments. I mean, again, you can't just keep winning if you keep firing coaches every three years. But you know, it's the SEC. You know, you you, you can't wait around for everybody to come back to the pack. And and here's the other thing about Arkansas: this year, where everybody has come back to the pack a little bit, and then kind of like you know, look, if, if Jimbo Fisher's in trouble at AM, then Sam Pittman the same thing, like. This should be an opportunity maybe not to go win the league, but to show that you are taking steps forward, and they're certainly not doing that. So, yeah, I think Sam Pittman, um, his seat's getting a little warmer. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've been okay here recently, but, uh, you know, scoring no points or little points is, is going to eventually add up, and it has on them this year. And, you know, they lost uh, Kendall Browse uh, to TCU, and that hasn't gone swimmingly necessarily, but not I do think all. that that's had an impact, and, um, you know, when things are going sideways like they are for them right now, uh, you've got to look somewhere, and it's not going to be the big guy right now. It's not going to be Sam Pittman. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Nose was a logical conclusion. Um, they're 0-5 in the SEC. There's not a lot of hopes for them, you know, scrounging anything together here. But Kenny Guyton, a guy who just a few years ago was the quarterback at Ohio State, he's from Texas, um, 
and uh, had a pretty good little career there for the Buckeyes. Uh, but yeah, seems to be a, you know a smart guy, up and coming, and now has a great opportunity in front of him to try and, and right this ship a little bit. But when you got KJ Jefferson coming back among others, and you're sitting there, you know, unable to to score consistently, that's that's alarming. And and they needed to do something because y'all talk about, I mean. Yes, with Oklahoma and Texas and all of them coming in, but, like, who are they just in general without even yeah. that element? Like, they're just there. They're just there in the SEC. There, there's nothing that stands out about them as super special. Um, and, look, they have history. They have tradition. I mean, Arkansas is a, a program worthy of some respect, but, again, they're just kind of there. And you think about all these other teams and the way we talk about them, and they're kind of in, like, the Vanderbilt category more so than they are in the Alabama, Georgia you know, LSU, mm. so on and so forth category. Um, they're not as interesting as, you know, South Carolina or, or some of these other teams. I mean, they're, they're just kind of, again, they're sort of there. So um, you needed to shake up, um, and maybe this is the one that writes that. But, yeah, you definitely, when you start talking about, you know, hot seats and just things to watch down the line, not like imminently, not like right now or anything, especially when you've, you know, won 16 games in the last two years. But uh, at some point, yeah, you kind of look at the way the league's going to be shaping up and sort of momentum and, and where things are going. And, um, you know, now that you've gotten rid of your OC, that, that heat's going to turn to you eventually if you're uh, Sam Pittman. So, yeah, they, they got to hope this Kenny Guyton move will kickstart something. But just a waste of K.J. Jefferson, right, this yeah. year? I mean, and the expectations of, of all that. So, um, I guess the solace is that, like I said, Kendall Browse isn't lighting the world on fire in Fort Worth, but still, that's that's a guy that they miss clearly, and um, yeah, they're they're just sort of sort of floundering. All right, so Kendall Browse and TCU got mauled. Uh, obviously, that uh, that was I mean that was an ass kicking right there. Yep. Garrett Riley and Clemson uh, continue to struggle, and speaking of which. Uh, we don't have the audio, do we, Paul? I, I mean, do we? No. We, can't, we can't use the audio, but uh, Dabo Sweeney, I was actually, I think, I don't know what I was doing. I guess just working on Saturday evening, I don't know. But you sent me this uh, Instagram, and Dabo Sweeney saying that quarterback Kate Klubnick was supposed to hand it off in the final play against Miami. He, in the post game got to take credit. He said, I just had an instinct that I should keep it. Well, Dabo disagreed with that. Uh, did he throw Kate Klubnick under the table, and he did deserve that? I mean, I think he did. Sometimes you can protect him a little bit. I think there's a, a little bit of um, frustration going around all over Clemson about their offense. I mean, it's just not, you know, th- they just don't have guys who can win. You watch them, and they are they're kind of a dink and dunk offense. All of a sudden, you know, Garrett Riley calls it the dirt raid. Um, that's what they're they're trying to do, and. Uh, that's just not who they were when they were winning their their national titles, and uh, you know, Cade Klubnik. I, yeah, like when Dabo said that, like was it supposed to be an RPO or a keeper? And he's like, no, it's just supposed to be a handoff. When you watch the play, it didn't look like that at all. I mean, he, um, you know, that was one of those things. You know, he got that instinct, and there was there were two guys, the one that ran him down, but there were two guys he was going to have to beat, and. One thing Clemson's going to have to hammer home is like, look, you've got two good running backs and Will Shipley and Phil Maffa. Like, give them the ball. Just trying to make a play, he said after the game. If I had the play back, I hand it off 10 times out of 10, but I take full responsibility for that one, learn from it, and keep going. I appreciate his honesty. Cape Klubnick, the young man who played high school ball in Texas on the, on the last in, in game deciding play in the, the fact they were stopped against Miami. 
Yeah, I want to go back to Arkansas for just one brief second and mention this is a tale of a team that is very close to being on the other side of everything as well, which mm-hmm. is it makes it even more frustrating. You look at their their results. I mean, this past weekend losing seven to three, but they're losing one score games a lot, and that and you know it's just sort of the luck of the draw, right? With TCU, they were winning those last year. Now yep. they're not winning them, and yep. that's just how things go some years. So I did want to point that out. It's not like they're getting blown out, but obviously you lose games seven to three, then that was kind of the final straw there compared to to what the expectations were. But as far as Dabo, I. I think you meant to say thrown under the bus, not under the table. Right. Under the table would imply like there's a little sneaky something going on. And is that what I? I just that's one of that old man. Yeah, saying no, that I throw him under, <laughs> under the table means like a sneaky backdoor type of thing is going on. But did he throw Kate Klubnik under the bus as much as a college coach can without? Uh, making it very clear that's what he's doing. I think he did it to the extent that he could where he didn't cross that line of like actually calling him out by name and saying, yeah, he screwed us over with that decision. But if you watch it, he very clearly was pissed at Cade Klubnik and not happy whatsoever, and frustrations are boiling over. And, you know, Dabo's got a lot of uh, goodwill built up, I mean, with what he he's done at Clemson. But it does feel – and I, I feel like sometimes – and, Paul, I, I don't mean this like – but. Uh, like in any personal kind of a way, but I do feel like FSU fans or anti-Clemson people have been hope, like wish casting, hoping. Oh, it, but I do sure, think sure. that like at this point, you can They're start slipping. to say like, yeah, there is really something like that's going sideways here, and and it's slipping. And is it unrecoverable? No. But how they go about recovering it in time to where it doesn't slip even further, and I do think that's the dilemma that they have right now. They're losing close games too, you know, and, and that's part of the deal. Just sometimes the coin doesn't, you know, uh, bounce your way or land the way you want it to. Um, but yeah, just something's not right yeah. anymore, right there. It's 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 off. Well, they don't have like, and it's there's there's two things. Like when I, I you heard me in the offseason, I thought Garrett Riley was gonna like that was the we great. We forget like, that he's there. Yeah, like, I mean, so, like I thought, holy cow, with Clubnick, and then you kind of assume that they're going to have those guys on the roster but I did not know to the extent I knew that Dabo wasn't crazy about the transfer portal I didn't realize that he was completely against it and it's almost like he dug himself in that own yeah, his own hole there. so because he's been kind of completely against it uh, you know you can be one of the best recruiters there are look at Nick Saban right now like they have that like not only is he one of the best recruiters all the coaches on his staff are usually great recruiters yeah. right so you're occasionally going to hit a wall where you know, the guys you recruited aren't ready yet, or you miss on some guys. And so he doesn't have the guys on the outside that he used to, the DeAndre Hopkins and the T. Higgins and those of the world, and the teams that are beating him do, uh, or uh, in the case of Duke, they're just somehow more physical than Clemson, which is a rarity, because that defense is still pretty darn good. They just... They just don't have the guys who are the X factors anymore, and it makes their offense harder to to move. And when he gets that realization, will it be in time, or will these teams have passed him? No, no, no that's that's the thing. He, he's not going to ever. I never want to say that. Mac Brown won a, a national title at Texas, and eventually he was pushed out. I can't imagine Dabo ever being told he has to leave unless it's something where he wants to go take over. For example, his alma mater's Alabama, if that ever comes to fruition. I'm not even saying it will. But, yeah, it seems like they've slipped behind a little bit. Yeah, a lot of Alabama fans will tell you that's not going to be the case. No, I know uh, that. I'm just saying I can't imagine him leaving Clemson for anywhere else. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he'd still be attractive to, I'm sure, plenty of schools out there. But, I mean, he's not going to get much better than what he's got right now. But I, I do think he, you have to wonder about pride and stubbornness uh, coming into play of almost like you dug yourself this hole of we do it differently here at Clemson, and now you're almost forced to have to do that even if the best move would be to go, you know what, 
we do need to be better in NIL, and we do need to do this, and Transfer we do need to do it like everybody else. But, no, well, you wanted to play the, no, it's different here. We're different. We do it the right way. And now, you know, you're kind of stuck because you put yourself in that position. Is that a, a much bigger version of what Gundy and Oklahoma State were on the on the edge of doing? But look what they've done. Well, man. Gu- they've got, again, different conference. Uh, not the same standard, but a standard is pretty damn good at Oklahoma again, State. You don't have to like it. But if you want to continue doing this job at this level, which you're making all this money doing, you're going to have to make some concessions because no matter who it was, whether it was Newt Brockney or Bear Bryant or Dabo Sweeney, the rules change over time. You think Bear Bryant was nuts about like when they, I mean, of course he, I don't know if he really experienced this, but would Bear Bryant have been nuts about the 85 scholarship limit rule? No, because you know, he was able to do things. So, that, like, things change, and, and sports are cyclical, but digging yourself in on something that clear, like, the other thing is, you know, I'm sure he sits around with other coaches like, yeah, we hate it, we hate it, we hate it, but guess what? All those guys are doing it. Like, like you keep hating it because we're going to beat yeah. you because we're going we're gonna to embrace you. Well, times change in every industry, and, yeah. uh, you know, you could be a football coach and not like the forward pass of these up-tempo <laughs> yeah. offenses, but, okay, if you want to get blown out and lose your job, then stay stuck in the mud, but if you want to actually win, then you got to adapt to the times, and it's just like anything else, whatever business that you're involved in, um, things change, and time goes on and you don't get to just stick with the same set of rules and the same circumstances. And, and certainly rules and circumstances around college football have changed immensely just in the last couple of years. And uh, Dabo is going to have to uh, adapt to, to survive. But, you know, um, he, like I said, he kind of put himself in a little bit of a corner just with the way he approached some of those topics. So yeah, that was, that was a bad, great win for Miami. I mean, great win for, for the hurricanes, um, but a, a tough one for sure for Clemson. Just a tough year overall. And I, I'm wondering about Kate Klubnik. I mean, if it's not working um, to the extent that uh, you hope for, like what's kind of the move there and, and when can you expect him to, I guess get, guess, get more of a grasp and become more of the player that I thought he could be from the outside? How much more pressure because DJ Ugalele is having a pretty nice run at o- Oregon State, by the way. That that doesn't help either. Uwe Ungalele. Yeah, Uga, yes. yeah him. Um, all right, so I don't think there's anything we've missed here. Uh, oh, the James Franklin. Do you have that at all, Garrett? Did I send you the James Franklin? Uh, no, uh, no, you didn't send me. You got, got the uh, UTSA thing. I have that on. No, I'm going to go to the uh, media, media boys. I mentioned this last week. James Franklin now is 2-12 and 12 on the road against top 25 teams. Okay, well, we just told you the Virginia stat. They had never won a road game ever against a top 10 team until North Carolina. 0-10 on the road against top 10 teams. It's hard to win those games. 1-12... Versus top five teams, home, road, or neutral, and one and nine now against Ohio State. And that eventually you wonder, as good as they are, and maybe they beat Michigan, I don't know, but you wonder how much, how frustrating that must be for Penn State. Uh, well, it's incredibly frustrating, and this was supposed to be the year, right? That's all we heard all week. Well, if not now, when? And this has to be the year. Why? Because it just has to be, because this is the best chance they've ever had, and you know what? I know there's uh, some some uh, discrepancies on a certain call in that game or two, but uh, you know, credit to the Buckeyes for for getting the job done. Uh, you know, in the end, and and for Penn State, yeah, it's just massively deflating. I mean, yeah, if not now, when? Well, it's not now, so when is it going to be? When are you going to kind of turn around that that record 
uh, or records that you mentioned there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to hear you no know, talk show in Happy Valley and what kind of the conversation was like today. But just based off you know the immediate kind of reactions and just perusing around the the internet, uh, yeah, there's a lot of bummed out Penn State folks that are not questioning like whenever they're gonna when if they will ever be able to crack through you know with James Franklin as the head coach and win some of those games. And is it going to be more difficult when USC and Oregon and Washington and UCLA all enter the league or? Um, you know, how is, how was is all of that going to go? But as far as, like, the Big Ten as we knew it before these massive changes that came in, this period of history, it's going to end with him having very little to no success in some of the biggest games that he's coached in. Uh, retired stockbroker, after he and Paxton have been arguing about what's the best, not arguing about the best blackened dinner or dish, he said, Penn State shouldn't do what A&M did with Slocum. Be careful what they wish for. Yeah. Very good point. Lorenzo Hayes, yeah. UT and Arkansas plus those schools with versus Houston and A&M are the reasons I love college football. In that game with Houston, I know there are no moral victories. Dana Hogerson has said that if they would have scored and needed to go for two, then they would have gone for two. It's easier said than done now. I thought Houston played their asses off in that game, but Texas had just a little bit more and a heck of a game that I thought could be a 50-12 to 12 type game, and I was wrong. Well, it was starting out that way. I mean, it was 21 nothing in the I blink of an eye, and uh, I think Holgerson said it, but I, I myself was wondering, of what is this going to be? And we said it last week, like, this game has the makings. It could be like 80 to nothing. I mean, the disparities, uh, disparity in talent. And uh, I think Houston showed they got maybe a bit more talent than, than people realized. Uh, they definitely got a lot more uh, heart and spirit than maybe you could tell by the record, and... I think just the unfortunate part is, as great as that showing was, you still didn't win the game. And, and you know, that's the thing is you, you don't really want to take moral victories, but I think you sort of can here. If you're Dana Holgerson, you may not phrase it as a moral victory, but you certainly are proud of your team. You're proud of the effort. You just wish that, yeah, you would have gotten a call go your way. Mm-hmm. And it's really a shame that we didn't get that opportunity to see that that we got robbed of the opportunity to see what would have happened in that game. Because he's convinced, of course he is, that they were going to, you know, make the plays to win that game. But the fact we didn't even get a chance to see it, I think, really sucks. So thanks, Zebra, uh, or replay official or whoever. He also, I know, is is very frustrated, as most people are, like, what can be reviewed and what can't? Like, because I see the most random thing, like a first quarter, first drive, yep. third four and yard run. four, and, like, they're they're looking at the sticks. But in this situation, you can't look at the freaking sticks? Yeah, I don't. A first down that could, like, send this game into another. Res- but in the first quarter with – like third and seven at the 45-yard line in a 0-0 game, like we get a Big 12 review. And yeah. I just – I don't get that. I think that. that's what frustrated me the most. Yeah. Not the just, call, again, just go through – just go through the motions. Yeah. But they said that they reviewed it. Like that's, what, that's what he gets told is that they reviewed it in the box. And they said, was in but, unsubstantial evidence. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, I mean, we see, like, things just get bogged down. Yeah, so. okay, here's an example, Craig. It's third and four. Somebody has the ball at their 40. A guy runs for four or five yards. He's out of bounds. It looks like he picks up a first down. They give it to him, and they review whether or not he had four or five yards. There's a review that's on the, in the first quarter. The first or second drive of every Baylor yeah. home game. Yeah. Every, and none of it matters. Like, none of it really matters in the long run, as best we can tell, because it's third and five as opposed to third and six, zero, zero at, like, the midfield. But that gets, you know, five minutes of time. But that, yeah, I don't know. He said the booth told him that they cleared it, and it wasn't, you know, what he thought it might have been as far as the spot goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, incredible effort by Houston. Gutty, gritty win for Texas given the adversity they faced. I mean, you've got to win games like that to 
to get to where you want to go ultimately. And so they're still just a one-loss team, and you know, credit to them. But, man, that would have been uh, incredible for Houston to, to pull that off. Yeah, and again, then make a better play on fourth down because I thought that was a quick, yeah, like, no, either absolutely. you catch it, throw it, or not. Uh, so, again, both Oklahoma and Texas survive. Oklahoma State, BYU, flexed their muscles a little bit over the weekend. Kansas State, obviously, with what they did. Tech now 3-5 and five and staring down the barrel of a tough, tough ending to the year that they had such a good one. Baylor trying to at least climb back in it along with Iowa State, and that's an interesting game coming up on Saturday. More on that and more on everything else the rest of the week. I think we pretty much touched on everything college football for the weekend. time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. One of these things we just talked about a second ago, so we can kind of buzz right through it, but... uh, Sam Pittman? No. Uh, Number 5 here on Top 5 Monday Thoughts. What is Texas without Quinn Ewers? Uh, that is um, going to be an interesting thing as they move forward through the next few weeks, uh, which I assume this is probably going to be two or three games because shoulder injuries don't just kind of go away, especially when you, you know, it your shoulder is pretty important if you're the quarterback and has to throw the ball. What is what is Malik Murphy? What is the offense? Who The opponents that he does face, how many chances do they take? How does Steve Sarkeesian use, use his athleticism? Uh, these are all big questions, and... Um, you know, we'll we'll get to see them on hand against BYU on Saturday. Uh, we'll see. I think that game's they're at home the next two weeks, so that's also pretty fortunate for Malik Murphy as well. Yeah, can he play in the secondary too? Uh, yeah. Can we get him some more yeah, athletes Jaylen back Catalan's there? Jalen gone too, right? Yeah, he's been gone. Yeah, but yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, but um, but not coming back either. Yeah. Oh, not coming back. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's been dinged, which is the story of his career, really. Yeah, that was always been. the the fear yeah. when they brought him in was like, man, the potential is out of this world. But can he stay healthy? Because he couldn't at Arkansas, and now he can again. And that's, I really hate that for him. It's unfortunate, but. Yeah, I mean, yours took that big pop, man, trying to, you know, anytime you see a quarterback running the football, you always kind of worry a little bit. And sure enough, he tried to get big, and, and he got leveled. And I think Sark said afterwards, I need to go back and listen, but he tried to indicate he was on a different play or something. I'm like, that's pretty clear where it looked like he got his shoulder <laughs> injured is when he went head or, you know, shoulder man, to shoulder with the defender. I tell you what, that was that not a collision where yeah. neither, but, neither body moved? But I thought I read earlier that Sark tried to say it was another play, but I'm like, I don't think so. I think it was that one right there. Paxton said, it happened on a sack okay maybe he, maybe he was landed on and then that sure. happened and that yeah just maybe if there was well, a rib that was detached maybe that's what did it I well that set it up or set it off that, that hit had to have mattered some in some regard but uh however it happened yeah that's that's unfortunate and uh yeah we get to see malik murphy now a lot of people have you know high hopes for him and arch will be one play away if need be as well uh you hope it doesn't come to that if you're ut though but yeah, this makes it uh, you know a very interesting couple of weeks, if not longer. That's the thing, too, is we don't know how long he'll be out, but it does seem like at least a couple of games. So, yeah, it's the Malik Murphy show, and that's that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's not season-ending, but they're – I mean, they're still – you know, like what season does that mean? I think what sometimes this can do is make your team with all the guys you have around to make them even more locked in and focused. Uh, they'll be fine. 
but it won't be easy. No, but I mean, look, you, you, the, the schedule's also not as easy as everybody thought it was three weeks ago either. No, right. um, no you're right. So that's true. Well, the BYU game is, is that'd be more interesting in Provo, but yeah. you know, they're feisty and they, they got a big win. And, uh, K State obviously is looking pretty tough right now. TCU, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Iowa State's in Ames in yeah. a few weeks. That'll be good. And then Tech by the end of the year. I mean, who and, knows? And but. then you start to have like really bad weather that kind of comes in the mix that could also affect it, you know, Midwest, North, whatever. Yeah, like, Iowa. Was st- Iowa State in three weeks, yeah. in it, and it could be just cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, number four, what is? How does Dab- Dabo respond to twenty twenty three? Like, they've got three losses now, so you know they're just jockeying for position, and, and maybe maybe they can get a, a dub over North Carolina. Although with the playmakers that North Carolina has and the way that they just lost, I I, I pity their next couple of opponents because they they've got to try to get back in the race, uh, and they're up against it right now. So how does he respond? Does he does he make those necessary changes? And here's the other thing: um, you know, Garrett Riley was really sought after, and they went and got him. What does Garrett Riley do after this? Does he go somewhere, you know, maybe riding off the high? Like, could he be a, like a one-year hired gun, and then he leaves, and then Dabo's oh, kind of back to square one that? Are you telling me that Dabo will ask him to leave? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm just saying that, like, if you're Garrett Riley and this didn't work out the way you thought it would, because I, I, I do think part of this was you go be the OC at Clemson after what you did at TCU, then if you helped Clemson get back to the mountaintop, then your phone's ringing for head coaching jobs. But right now, and really yeah. I don't think it's through any fault of his own, but that offense just doesn't hit. I mean, well, he didn't bring in those players. Well, some of it has to be his own. Yeah, but I mean, like, they didn't have the players I think he thought he was going to go in and have. Would you take most of their players if you were 90 other schools in college football? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the only position, like, here's the other thing that's really sad for Clemson. The only position they're deficient at is wide receiver. Cornerback, great. Linebacker, they have two guys that are first-round picks. Defensive line, four NFL guys. Offensive line, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his, I don't know about his head coaching opportunities this offseason because his stock was way hotter last year. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always a possibility, and, and who the heck knows. But, I mean, before they even get to North Carolina, they got Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so they've got both of those games still lined up. And, you know, you don't really worry too much about, like, Georgia Tech, I don't think, at this point. But, you know, th- there are, you know, at least a couple, if not, you know, three or four opportunities in these last five games where if they're not careful, they could they could slip up. Um you know, so including uh, South Carolina at the the end of the year, even if the Gamecocks aren't the, the mightiest team in the world either. But, yeah, Notre Dame in a couple weeks and then uh, and UNC a couple weeks after that. So they're going to have to be careful to avoid like a 7-5-ish and five-ish type of season, which, you know, given all of the circumstances and just expectations would be a brutal uh, finish. But they're, they're right there on the cusp of it. Number three. What do we make of Washington scare? Is this a, I mean, the, the Arizona schools really put a charge into, into Washington. 15 to 7, uh, you probably didn't see it because it was at 1.30 in the morning uh, if you were not on the West Coast. But Michael Penix had a really, you know, kind of a blah game. It was 15 to 7. They won, they essentially won the game at a pick six. Uh, and Arizona State, who's who's not, you know, near the top of the, of the Pac-12, pushed them to the limit. Do you guys take anything from this or is this their? scare i sort of just took it as their scare um yeah i I do think that you've got to be able to run the ball a bit better uh overall like this when you rely as much as you do on Penix in the passing game i do worry about as a team in general like that but i took this as a scare um you know uh i'm sure there's other evaluations or or reviews of it that we probably can dive a bit deeper but that's sort of how i took this one but it definitely had you like "Uh uh-oh what's what's going on here after that big win last week i i just think that 
it's hard to win. I, I, I we, we are so we're almost like okay, Washington's going to go unbeaten. Oregon, not everybody is. Someone's going to lose. Oklahoma. Uh, it, I, it's just we we look like there's going to be seven teams that end up unbeaten, and there might be one, might be one by the end of the year. And even if somebody in the Pac-12 like looks like they're going to run the table and beat all the teams that are really really good too, someone like Arizona or Arizona State's going to pop them. What do you think, Paul? Uh, I, I mean, I just thought, I think it was their hangover game. I mean, they had that big, gigantic win. Uh, but, you know, it, it bears watching. Although, if you look at everybody but Michigan, everybody but Michigan in the top 10 or so uh, that's, that's a contender has had a scare or two. They've had two. I mean, Arizona was a scare. Arizona State was a scare. Um, you know, Ohio State. Now, granted, their two scares have been against Notre Dame and Penn State, but scares nonetheless. Washington's last three games they've won by... 18 points, including yeah. the 18 Yeah, that was super dire. I mean, yeah. they needed like a pick six late, yep. and they, they they got very fortunate that that game turned out the way that it did. Um, that's what happens when you run into future Big 12 juggernaut Arizona State, though, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Kenny Dillingham and company. You know what? Those new Big you 12 schools you, are starting. To, I mean, yeah. like Utah's been doing their thing, but Arizona, Arizona State are, are getting better and, and showing signs. And, um, did you and who am I missing Dillingham? here? Uh, who's the fourth team? Utah, Arizona. Colorado. Oh, Colorado and Colorado, yeah. I mean, they're – they're just sort of – they had their bye week, and now, I, you know, I think that they're trying to ramp it back up and finish strong. But um, they obviously were the toast of the town. So, you know, as much as that was all poo-pooed on at the time, of like, well, those programs – like, the Arizona schools have actually had some good moments this year. And, you know, uh, I'm interested to see how they can kind of carry that over. Uh, yeah. Dillian Hammond said a comment, if you're a 300-pound kid walking on campus, we need you. Did you <laughs> yeah, hear I mean, about that? Because they've had so many injuries. They're one in six, so don't, yeah. don't let me get those yeah. comments blown out of proportion. But I do think you see signs on occasion. And you're like, all right, I can see where this yeah. is going. Number two, what do we make of OU scare? I'm very curious in your thoughts on this one, Craig. Uh, I, I mean, again, this was for Texas and Oklahoma and Washington uh, in particular. These were all games right after the big gigantic rivalry game and Texas's big, you know, disappointment at the end. Oklahoma's big, you know, announcement to the nation of of them being on the scene again and Washington with that. So. Some of this, I think, is a little bit of trap game-ish things where yeah, you, you know, know you're, you're coming back down uh, off and off the bye, but UCF with John Rice Plumley is kind of a different animal. No, they are. Let's give and, them credit because they played yeah. really well from start to finish. And I, I've, we're here. We're kind of making excuses for some of these teams that barely won, but it's hard to win. I just think that there's a lot more parity in college football than sometimes we realize. Yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma jumped out to an early lead and looked like it was going to be the game you kind of expected it to be. And I just think a poor execution in a lot of ways is what doomed them. Some missed opportunities. You allow UCF to have hope. You allow them to make a couple plays and feel like they're right in it. And next thing you know, you're in a fight. You weren't necessarily expecting to be in. So I do think it was a little bit of, you know, just – um, I guess let down if you will, but I just think that UCF took advantage of the opportunities that OU gave them, and uh, and gave them a scare, no doubt about it. But I I don't fear for like there's nothing about that game where I'm like oh man they exposed this or you know they yeah um and there were some guys running free again that's what you know yeah part. but I mean it's also UCF coming off of a bye week and yeah. it's Gus Malzahn who's throwing all sorts of weird stuff at you and trickery and things like that and so it's not the easiest team to also prepare for but I think the defense still played you know and showed that it it can bow up and, and make stops and so um, yeah, I think that was a game where just left the door cracked open and could have shut it maybe a little bit earlier. And when you didn't do that, it, it opened the floodgates and you found yourself in a bit of trouble. You're in a track meet. Yeah. And number one, 
what is the future for USC? Uh, like I, th- that was, I mean, that's the about fourth disappointing game in a row for them and the second loss in a row. And every single one of them has the, the same kind of thing is that they're not tough enough to hold leads. Um, they uh, aren't good enough to, to, to jump out on some of these teams or they've got to come back. It's um, for a team that was supposed to be in the CFP discussion, they look so far away from that. And having the best player overall in the country, too, really makes it sting a lot more. And then Lincoln Riley with not letting the players talk. This is yeah, that was childish. Bad. That was this such high all, school. All was, bad stuff. Notre really, Dame, right? Utah, 21 14. They still have numbers 5, 8, and 23 on their schedule the rest yeah, of the way. I want to go back to Oklahoma for a second. There are a couple things that s- still worry me. Um, and that's the run game. Yeah. Um, the fact that you couldn't run better than you did against uh, UCF, uh, just in general, I just I wonder about the run game and how consistent it can be. And you've got to make field goals. And and that was something that also that was a part of their their mistakes early on in that game. But uh, moving on to USC, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think a couple more losses are probably on their plate. At least one more loss is on their plate. And beyond that, uh, Lincoln Riley getting rumored for NFL jobs is probably uh, on the 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 menu as well um but yeah that was not a good look on saturday night and, and they were gonna win that game i mean they they found a way to come back and, and nearly win that game and then the bear alexander penalty happens and that just i could not believe that i could not be- and he's sitting there on the sideline crying and i feel for the guy but at the same time i'm like that was just such a dumb penalty yep. like that was inexcusably dumb um but if not for that then we're talking about them winning so like they're towing that line of yeah, it seems all bad, and it's obviously bad when you've knocked yourself out of the playoff with your second loss, but you were this close to that being a massive win, right? So they're still going to be plenty dangerous, but yeah, their, their hopes are, for the most part, the big ones dashed, and you just wonder about Lincoln Riley and, and where his head's at. What's he going to do, quit? Uh, Go to the NFL. Caleb Williams going to quit? Uh, you no, know, I, I mean, don't think so. I, I, I know that those are some of the responses. And, and if college football gets to a point where right now I get players maybe – skipping a bowl game, even though that's taken hard for me, just old school. But I, I, I know like NIL and transfer portal, things are new. If we get to a point now where players start shutting it down midway through the year because they can't win a Heisman Trophy or a national championship, I, I don't know if I, I, that's going to that's gonna be hard for me to fathom. That's going to be hard for me to deal with. And I know, yeah, Emmett, get off my lawn. All right, Garrett, thank you very much. LSU, meanies to uh, West Point. Take Th- care of business. That's Thanks all. to our great sponsors every day. Hey, by the way, just a nugget on Wednesday, former Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby will be a part of our show. For Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke, thank you, all of you, everybody. Tonight, 1030, 365 Sports Tonight on the CW. Back at it again tomorrow, Paul, with the triple option at one. And we're back at three tomorrow. Bearcast tomorrow with Craig and Grayson, Grayson as well. Have a great night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your